<laughs> I'm still angry. Just coming to the main timeline. Oh, we'll get, we'll get to the Stranger Things kids in a minute. Will, will, will Byers, will, will Byers, will Byers. Oh man, Stranger Things. That's that whole show. That's really the whole show. Them yelling a kid name. It was kind of cool at first, and then like, yeah, then it kept happening. <laughs> <laughs> And then I realized then they're not going to stop. Doing they're not going to stop. And it's like when, you know, it's like when a friend, like, gives you, like, a dead leg. And it's funny the first time. But after, like, ten times, you're like, dude, I just, I really need to get to class. <laughs> like, please let me, <laughs> please let me walk. Just let me, let me go. It's <laughs> not funny <Stop>. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Can't feel my leg. <laughs> Well, there's a lot to a lot to to get to today, so let's just go ahead and get into a Welcome to the Pod Charles Cinecast, presented by the Prince Charles Cinema. This is your host, John the Foster, and I am here with my ooh, spooky, slimy, slimer boy, <laughs> Phil. Ew. How's he going, you slimy Ew. bastard? <laughs> He slimed me. <laughs> oh, great. Great. <laughs> physical contact. Uh, oh, okay. I'm I'm a little I'm a little run down, mm-hmm. to be honest. Run down, eh? Run down. I don't know why. Like just you know when like a lot of little weird things are like going wrong with your body, but they've like added up enough to be to, like, <laughs> to be one big zapable energy. <laughs> yeah. To be one big thing. Like, you know. Yeah. I'm just like I'm tired and I have like a cold cold floor that's like really bothering me. Oh, and it's no. like just lay me out. <laughs> like I don't want to get up in the morning. <laughs> that shows you how much little energy I have to begin with. Like that something so small can like just throw me off. Like a slight breeze. Yeah. And I'm just yeah down i'm down for the count yeah. but i'm here I'm ready to go how how are you i'm okay man i'm okay i mean it's been a weird a weird uh a weird week i don't know the news uh you just keep hoping yeah. things will get better and then just a lot of weird stuff happens and it's just like an odd time yeah god damn we're gonna like get into it today i think with this episode as well it's like inevitable like just <laughs> It's gonna get into like I feel like polarizing it's gonna be heated and, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I, I think we'll be. I, I, so am I, but I think we'll be on the cooler side of things. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. But we'll have to deal with a lot of uh, toxic, shall we yeah, say, fandom. I'm sure. 
Definitely. Yeah. And I'm ready for it. Which is always fun. It's always fun. Which you have plenty of experience in. <laughs> the classic Intel trilogy. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to dip my toes into... Back into that. Back into Toxic Sleaze. It's going to be fun, guys. Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait. Let's do it. <laughs> well, before we get into that, there's some good news, though, on the on the front. You know, hey, we were kind of doing this really fun front. Little, this little episode uh, last week where we did a little Q&A asking for questions from fans and stuff. And that was really fun. So I, th- I want to thank all the listeners out there who took part. And I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And at the end of the episode, we had basically said that, hey, it's looking like I don't know, sometime May. The cinema might open sometime in May. And we were right. We were right. We're gonna we're gonna be shooting for the seventeenth of May for the Prince Charles Cinema to come back. Oh boy. And we've already got some films on sale on the website. Um, we're starting something new as well, which is priority members booking, which I think is a really cool and like in our first day back of selling tickets and stuff the members came through and it proved to us that it's like a fucking great idea that the members like really want to support us and stuff so it was a way for us to get back a 48 hour priority booking window for members of the Prince Charles Cinema so if you're not a member and you're listening to this but you love the cinema go and get membership because you can get your tickets earlier uh, we still have socially distant seating as well so it, like that also helps out members in the priority booking so yeah, it's a way to say thanks mm-hmm. for sticking through with us throughout this whole last crazy year. So yeah, that's going on. There's a lot of cool stuff coming up, like Battle Royale is coming back. We've got some great films like Minari, Ammonite. Uh, I think Nomad Lands on the Horizon is not on sale yet, but it should be soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of cool Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff on the horizon plus all of the fucking favorites we got 2001 a space odyssey on so there's uh die hard coming back i said last week oh i'd like to see a little bit of christmas in july but it's not july it's june but die hard's coming in june christmas so. in may june. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool we still had the 70 millimeter print on site so we were able to book it in and we're gonna show die hard in 70 millimeter in the middle of june why not because it's the classic um, so yeah, it's a lot of good stuff on the horizon. Go to PrinceCharlesCinema.com, get a membership, buy some tickets, uh, get priority booking if you're a member. It's really cool. But yeah, I want to also, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, because it's going to be a big one, I want to quickly go through a little bit of user feedback. Hey, 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 user feedback. Listen to feedback segment. <laughs> Last week... With our big coming, <laughs> our big Q and A episode, it was just like it got a little bit longer than I thought, and then I ended up having a couple of user feedback <laughs> bits that were like left off. That I just said I'll save for this episode, and I don't know why I did that because this is going to be a long episode as well, probably. So, all right, fuck it, let's just get into <laughs> it. All right, so we had a couple of uh, emails. We had one. Via the breadcrumbs website, which I kind of forgot people can send uh, emails to. So I was really late on seeing <laughs> I forgot this. we had a website. <laughs> yeah, I forgot we had a website. <laughs> Breadcrumbscollective.com, um, where all of our podcasts and stuff through the breadcrumbs family are a part of. So yeah, I completely forgot that people could send emails through there. And we had a listener send an email in a few weeks ago, and I missed it until like a few weeks later. So I'm sorry about that. 
Uh, but he says, hi, all just to say, <laughs> just a note to say, I listened to your PCC podcast on Ferris Bueller this week and I thought you guys were brilliant. It is my favorite film. So I thought I knew it fairly well, but I learned so much from your podcast that I didn't know before. Love the fan theories too. Plus you really made me laugh. Keep up the good works. Uh, guys love it. Ben. Thanks Ben. Very sweet. That's very sweet. I feel like if you like theories, there's like theories around this film that we've already done a little bit with breadcrumbs. Yeah. I didn't really write them down for this cause there's a lot in this film, but like, uh, maybe we'll discuss a little bit of theories a little later. All right. We had another email from our pal, Johnny. He said, what's up? Good brothers. Uh, definitely wrestling reference. I know it. Uh, firstly, props to John for good brothers. Props to John for making me want a Christopher Guest Zoolander. That is a film I want in my life. See, there you go. I'm telling you. You weren't the only one. Wasn't the only one. I put it out there in the universe, and that's what we need. (laughs) He said, if we're going to go down that route, I'd take a mockumentary take on Starship Troopers, mix it with the propaganda scenes, and Chef's Kiss. Chef's Kiss. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that that could work, but I almost feel like it's almost a mockumentary in itself anyway. (laughs) I'm literally about to say, it's already already very self-aware. Yeah, but you could go even further. Uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see it. I mean, Verhoeven could easily make a really good mockumentary. Uh, Johnny went on to say, in that same episode, you asked what other films probably haven't withstood the test of time. Well, a little backstory. I have taken to listening to the Spotify ska punk generated playlist when working out. And while listening, a song came on that immediately took me back to being an angsty 12-year-old, and that is Playmate of the Year by Zebrahead. You could probably tell what that <laughs> song is about. I first heard it while I was watching... Zebrahead, <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> I first heard it while I was watching Dude Wears My Car, and he took me back to doing Zoltan hand gestures yeah. in school and how all... <laughs> how we all Zoltan! How we all thought it was probably the funniest film around. And that's coming from a massive Austin Powers advocate. Flash forward 20 years later, <laughs> and I'm hesitant to watch it again. And I don't think the takeaway scene would make me laugh or that a giant alien woman in a skirt would land like it used to. If someone wants to take one for the, uh, for the team and put themselves through one hour and 24 minutes of 2000 stoner humor, let me know how it works out. Looking forward to the PCC opening its doors again. In the meantime, stay too sweet, Johnny. <laughs> Too sweet. Too sweet. I mean, I'll take that hit. You'll take that hit. Hey, um, I Johnny. Yeah, I mean, that would be a relief. Johnny, we got a uh, Johnny. I'm down. We I, got a little thing called uh, patreoncom forward slash the PCC podcast, <laughs> where if you become a yeah. good bagel boss, bagel uh, boss, we'll take that hit. Do it. <laughs> we'll take that hit. Become a good bagel we'll boss. Take we'll hit. take that hit. <laughs> Gladly, I would. I'd be very curious as well because I would obsessed with that movie. Yeah, when I was younger. And I know the scene he's talking about. Yeah. And then, and then. <laughs> what did what did my one say, dude? <laughs> what did my one say, sweet? I feel like the racist, sure, the, the the um, and then stuff got a bit racist at times, right? It, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. I mean, kind of. It's like know. a Chinese. Yeah. it's like a Chinese food yeah, driving. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's what I was them remembering. Just fighting with a box. Yeah. So right. ripping off Wayne's World. It's weird. Fighting it's, with a box. Why not? Yeah, I th- <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it would be worth watching because that movie is fucking weird. Yeah, like genuinely weird, like Bubble Boy weird. Yeah, 
like, so it's enough same that fucking done, era it, enough that people talk about yeah. it yeah enough that there's enough there's something there yeah they're like they're trying to do something it got like that bill and ted vibe to it well johnny like what the fuck with these guys on well johnny or if it or anyone else taste. they want to take that hit <laughs> to go to uh patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast um Maybe maybe we'll take the hit. Good bigger boss, do it. Maybe we will find that car. <laughs> Let's get into this episode, Phil. Sure. We're we're in reboot month part two. Sorry we skipped Reboot Moon. Reboot Moon. <laughs> Sorry we skipped last week with that little Q and A episode, version. but it was fun to do anyway. And uh we've got Had to be done. Probably the biggest single film that we'll be talking about in our in our reboot month like it's the biggest single film but it has a lot around it to unpack <laughs> yeah it's getting a new sequel at the end of the year should have been out this month but mm-hmm. pandemic eh? and uh it's already been pandemic eh? it's already been rebooted once and it's already had sequels and cartoons and all sorts of stuff phil what film are we talking about on the podcast today. Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm going to do like the real Ghostbusters, but I'm like, nah, that's too misleading because that is the cartoon and they were the, they real, were the real ones. Plus they were the extreme Ghostbusters. <laughs> I think. Am I making that up? I'm pretty no, sure. No, there was an extreme so. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. There was? Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. All right. Do you believe in ghosts? Not those cute cartoon ghosts that look like fluffy bedsheets, and not the dancing spirits you might see on a magic midsummer's night, but real ghosts. Big city ghosts. Foul, stinking, hostile troublemakers who don't have the decency to lie down when they're dead. Well, they're out there, and someone's got to stop them. It's a job for professionals. It's a job for the Ghostbusters. How are you? The Ghostbusters. Dr. Ray Stan, would you please? The heart of the Ghostbusters. You're looking at a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Seas and rivers boiling. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. The brave, the best, the only Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, and Rick Moranis. Ghostbusters, coming to save the world this summer. We're ready to believe you. After losing their academic post at a prestigious New York City University, a team of parapsychologists goes into business as proton pack toting ghostbusters who exterminate ghouls, hobgoblins, and supernatural pests of all shapes and sizes. Business picks up after a successful ad campaign, turning the team into celebrities. But with so much paranormal activity going around the city, things get really spooky. When a cellist hires the Ghostbusters to purge her home of an ancient demon that appears to be living in her refrigerator? What? It's the 1984 (laughs) supernatural comedy classic directed by Ivan Reitman 
and written by Dan Aykroyd. I didn't know he was in this picture. <laughs> and Harold Ramis. Hot takes out the gate, Phil. I don't know. Actually, there will be hot takes. I feel like there could be. I don't know about you. No, I feel like I can get them. I feel like they'll, I, can, I feel like I can do it. I, I feel, feel like I'll have... I feel like I have hot takes later, but for this movie, <laughs> I'll jump on the bat. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll jump on the bandwagon and say Ghostbusters did great. It's a classic. It's a, is it a cult classic? It's too big to be a cult classic, right? It's one of those weird things, though, where huge franchise. It's it's like there there is that weird thing about certain films that are so huge that they kind of like mm. almost too big to be a cult classic, but they treat it like a cult classic. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah it's like popular culture it's not treated like a star yeah yeah it's like popular culture knows it's there but they kind of like it's so diehard of a fan base that like sort of surrounds it i don't know could every day i see t-shirts and toys like literally not a day so it's like obviously people fit Mm -hmm. into it no ghostbusters is uh yeah let's say at least a comedy classic and it's just a weird amalgamation of worlds, mm. like genres. It one of those movies that shouldn't work, but it does because of the people involved and the time it comes yeah. out. And it's one of those movies I think, like, like I've mentioned before, where I don't think anyone knows why it worked. I think it's like a chemical reaction of those comedians. Yeah, but it's cool. The thing that always tends out about Ghostbusters is I feel like that the, the something off about like the popularity of the movie mm-hmm. but did how small of a movie it is how laid back is always the word i use ghostbusters is a really chill movie <laughs> yeah. it's really laid yeah. back and it's it's just guys hanging out smoking then they're catching some ghosts sometimes yeah. it doesn't treat its material like this supernatural fantasy epic that anyone else would. And that's what works about yeah. it. It's so for a regular guy, even though like two of them are geniuses. I don't think Venkman is not really. He's just like a con. Yeah. Man. He's definitely um, more of a con. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just great. It's so grounded. And it's like four very relatable characters mm. exploring a very unrelatable situation. But yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it holds up. Yeah. I think the first, First one holds up at least. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the other one later. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's a lot to talk about with the franchise of Ghostbusters and like yeah. what it means to people and the world building that they found through like things like the cartoon versus like them creating their own sequels and then reboots and blah blah blah, which Ooh. we'll get to. Reboot moons. There is a reboot moon. <laughs> there's a new a new one reboot coming moon. out and they're rebooting it again. And I yeah. God damn like, it. The thing is, though, I feel like Ghostbusters is a really thing where, like, a really funny thing where it's so precious to some people, and I don't really get it. Like, I oh, me neither. I yeah. I see it as like one hell of a fucking comedy. It is really funny, and it works really well. And I don't really know. It's again, you don't really know why. Like you kind of said it. Like you, the, there's certain elements to it that shouldn't work. Like, um, there's mm. things about it like that aren't very good. Like, for instance, in you know, the current landscape, like Vinkman's kind of a creep. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd getting a blow job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, if I'm a ghost. But I think that Dan Aykroyd 
like fantasy coming to life there. I, I think we'll get into it a little bit later, but like with characters like uh, Winston Zeddemore, like being this black character, which is really cool that there is a black Ghostbuster, but is he just a token black character because there's really actually nothing for him, which is kind of a flaw in this film, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, he joined them later, yeah. Yeah, and you have like a sort of way of how they view the female in the film is sort of like just... I don't know. Eye candy. And it's, it's, it's just kind of like, there's a lot of things that I don't, I don't get why it's being, it's always sort of held up as like, like this infallible movie. But at the same time, it is like really, really it is really, really funny. It has some great, like some of the best performances from Bill Murray, like regardless of like the weirdness of the subtext around his character, like he delivers like such a fucking amazing performance. Uh, Dan Aykroyd delivers a really great performance. Harold Ramis, like, holy crap, like just understated performance. Uh, When he's on the screen, Ernie Hudson's amazing. And then you've got like all these great sort of side characters and stuff. Like Sigourney Weaver's incredible and everything she's in really. Um, And then, yeah, Rick Moranis, unforgettable in this film really fucking funny there's so much good going on there's the music there's a lot going on but it's funny and i think we'll kind of get into it as we go along of like how it was made and all the weird stuff that was going on around it plus just the weird like aura around it that kind of stinks (laughs) like the stinky aura yeah the slime that it slimed everything because i mean there's a lot of stupid shit in this film for sure like the whole like oh, for there's sure. a lot that just doesn't make sense and it in some degrees it kind of works because they don't even try to explain things sometimes and it's kind of funny that way because it's just like it's it really is like they're slackers and they're slackers at delivering their at their like story and it's just exactly. like it's simple dumb like we got these proton packs who cares how it works it's made with like it's like mm. some nuclear fucking bomb basically you have in your back but who gives a shit don't cross the streams definitely Let's not don't face. like don't cross the streams don't explain why really until and you, you do. do and it like it doesn't really matter that you did in the first place it was all like kind of like oh well maybe it'll work maybe we'll be fine even though i just told you yeah. it might end all life before who cares but <laughs> at the end of the day it just turns out to be like a basically like just a dirty boy joke like about crossing streams <laughs> playing swords you know like pissing crossing streams like it's with the pit, the tall movie to the pissing contest yeah it's it's a pissing contest and then it's just like ends with a bunch of jizz so it's like okay cool <laughs> like you know it's fine it's like i mean it's one way to look at it yeah, yeah for sure i mean that is exactly what happens at the end it's just like that is a, what happened a yeah. bunch of guys Funny. taking their dicks out <laughs> pe- uh peeing and- Crossing streams, all over and, then, New York. and then jizz comes out everywhere. Um, it is funny, <laughs> but there's a lot in it that makes it not exactly perfect. Which kind of like, no, kind of makes me wonder why people are so fucking angry about like it being touched. Who cares? But we'll get into that. It says that's more. It says more about them. <laughs> I yeah. think because yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's in it, an imperfect. Yeah comedy for sure a lot of it been outdated yeah um, yeah but, yeah yeah but yeah. it somehow works still when you watch it i'm not saying when you when you watch it you're going to be like oh fuck like for me i said this a few weeks ago we were talking about old films that aren't re- don't really work old school it doesn't work 
it's not it doesn't work for me like i'm turning it on it's very outdated it's very crass it's not funny it's just like very mm. offensive shit that just like like stupid jock bullshit like that's just not funny like i don't care like i'll turn it off it's the kind of annoying people i didn't want to hang out with when i was in high school i don't want to watch <laughs> stupid ass movies they're like just mm. jock humor who cares it's that's really outdated <laughs> whereas this there's like yeah there's a couple of sexist jokes and stuff that are just kind of stupid like in today's standards but Mm. the film still has a lot of charm and is really still really funny you know even yeah. though it ends with, yeah, yeah. with guys jizzing all over the place <laughs> isn't that great <laughs> how uh, many movies you know end like that exactly yeah I don't know Team America maybe Team America World Police yeah, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't happen enough John it doesn't happen enough <laughs> The story of Ghostbusters was inspired, though, by Dan Aykroyd's family history in the paranormal research and spiritualism, with spiritualism basically getting its start, like, I mean, it kind of has been around since, like, the early 1800s and stuff. I mean, you know, and mysticism and all that, it's even before that. But, yeah, spiritualism that sort of became popular with, like, doing seances and all that stuff got really popular in the 1880s with the Fox sisters who were Maggie and Kate, and they basically convinced people that they were able to communicate with spirits through rapping noises. So you would hear like that, like on your table when they're like, Oh, there's a, there's a spirit with us. Oh, there's a spirit with us. <laughs> uh, uh, I thought you meant rapping, like do, yeah, dropping bars, you know, yeah, dropping bars. It's like, <laughs> give me 15 bars real quick. It's a fucking ghost on the table. Yeah. He's making noise. <laughs> so yeah they basically this launched them into celebrity status and they were like just influencers in the medium community (laughs) and they influenced a wave of spiritual mediums one of which was uh dan Aykroyd's great-grandfather named samuel who regularly held seances in the parlor of his eastern ontario farmhouse so this was passed down to Aykroyd's grandfather, Maurice, who was an engineer for Bell Telephone Company, and he tried to use his know-how to create a high-vibration crystal radio that would be able to contact spirits uh, in, in the spirit world. <laughs> it's the goddamn right. crystal skulls, Phil. It's the goddamn crystal skulls. I'm telling you, man. Dan Aykroyd. Knowledge. His knowledge with that treasure. <laughs> he knows. He knew. His grandfather knew. He was making crystal skull radios, and Dan Aykroyd got a hold of him, and he started making vodka, and it was just crazy. It's not fucking it. <laughs> do you think? Do you think like Dan Aykroyd believes in the crystal skulls? Like you know, he's got a whole vodka line based around crystal skulls. We know he's well into his paranormal shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, do yourself a favor and let, go listen to Dan Aykroyd talk about this shit. Like he was on last podcast, I, I it's fun. believe, and that would that would yeah. really fun. <laughs> it was. I don't think that's a thing he doesn't believe in. Yeah, you could name you could name any sort of supernatural theory. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah that 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 that, 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 <laughs> that. I find it very sweet that it's a like yeah. long-standing family tradition passed down. Yeah. Like they're really into this sort of mm-hmm. the act of mysticism and seances and conjuring, trying to communicate yeah. with people on the other side. And it all boiled down to a movie where they jizz on everyone at the end. <laughs> like, like, hunt, like decades of, you know, family and that had to survive and, you know, pass on their knowledge and power. 
and that's what it amounted to. And that's great because the movie is obviously hugely influential yeah. and probably got countless people into ghosts and yeah. ghost hunting and all that shit. So, yeah, I think Dan Eckford believed in everything. Yeah. Have you tried? Have you tried to uh, drink crystal crystal skull vodka? I think I might have actually. I feel like my mom actually bought a a bottle of it once because I remember having this bottle of crystal skull. Um, well, it was like a skull mm-hmm. vodka, and I'm pretty sure he's the only one that has like a vodka that's shaped like a skull. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. in I think I had it with some really crazy like pomegranate juice, which I think is the best thing to mix with vodka because vodka just completely kills your uh brain cells and then the pomegranate juice actually <laughs> reactivates your brain and improves brain function so i think it, it just wow. cancels it out the more you know yeah so yeah. there you go it's healthy it's healthy we should start doing like when we come back this is the message for peter basically when like on the bar sometimes we have like cinema influenced you know drinks you know, mm-hmm. drinks with puns in the title, we should start selling alcohol like that is promoted, sponsored by celebrity, right? Could we have like yeah. Dan Arcroyd vodka? We could have Francis Ford Coppola wine. Yeah. Doesn't he make wine? Yeah, he does. Um, Ryan Reynolds makes gin, like aviation <laughs> gin. <I think laughs> yeah. Called. Yeah. Add who, <sighs> Smart Water, 50 Cent? Yeah. Yeah, no. I think so. Or, uh, or that, that, what's the, his face? Uh, Jaden Smith has the box water. Jaden Smith. <laughs> the, the, whatever that, that is. Whatever that water was. Yeah. Is it smart water? Is that what yeah. it's called? No, that is was that the, the one that's, that's smart water bottled. And it might have yeah. been vitamin water for, for 50. I don't know. Yeah, I remember. There's pl- there, plenty. Think of more, there's yeah, plenty. But there's plenty. I feel like Sorry. with the the <laughs> this is just a natural segue. Like this, this isn't like this isn't don't don't go don't go crazy, guys. This isn't snack time. But this just kind of helps me around, like to get to snack time. It's going to get me there. It's going to work me up. So don't get so excited, guys. I'm not calling a snack time yet. Um, but there's all this talk of jizz, and there's all this talk <laughs> of like of like drinks at the bar and stuff. So I, I I've I've got a little special something that I'm gonna I'm gonna start. Oh. I'm just gonna crack open right now. Um, here we go. It's the it Tuesday, is, everyone. Uh, the <gasps> no way. tiny rebel Stay Puffed Marshmallow Porter that we used to sell at the bar. <laughs> Do you remember good. that? Do you remember, remember these? Yeah, we sold it at the bar these, yeah. at the French Royal Cinema. So, hey, this is a plug for our bar at the PCC, which will be open when we reopen, unless there's some dumbasses that in the government decide that we can't have alcohol sales, um, which I don't think they'll do because, you know, got to make money. Um, and yeah. stay puffed. Yeah, it's a, it's a marshmallow <laughs> porter <laughs> taste. Porter, that sounds like awful, s'mores. too. Actually, I feel like I had it before, and it was pretty good. So um, I like a, I like a porter if it's good. So, ooh, let's try it. Ham up that. You <laughs> mm. thinking about it? Yeah, it's okay. It's like a nice porter, and it's got this sort of. Does it taste like mushroom or s'more? Creamy vanilla sort of vibe to it, which is kind of nice. I thought, all right. So yeah, special for the episode. Stay puffed. 
Tiny Rebel Marshmallow. They puffed everyone. It's jizz in a can. <laughs> jizz in a can. <laughs> it's the grossest episode so far. Jesus. <laughs> jizz in a can. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Dan Aykroyd's grandfather, his great grandfather, they're both well into their paranormal stuff. And that didn't stop there. His father kept a large library of books on the paranormal, including all the notes and stuff that his great grandfather had from all of his seances and stuff. So, yeah, that kept a young Dan Aykroyd very busy as a child. And after Aykroyd left Saturday Night Live in 1979, he read an article about parapsychology in the American Society for of Psychical Research publication that inspired him to write Ghostbusters. The original idea, though, around Ghostbusters, it was supposed to play off like a classic comedy fair of like, you know, you have like Bob Hope's The Ghostbreakers. You have like the classic Abbott and Costello <laughs> horror comedies and then you had the bowery yeah, boys man. like so yeah, yeah there's they had things like spook busters and ghost chasers and stuff so it was supposed to kind of play off of that just like this classic goofy comedy but when dan Aykroyd started writing the original script he got really dark with it and it got really scary and i think he was like getting more into the horror side of things and like the film really would have been strange it was supposed to like take place in the future and the Ghostbusters were supposed to be fighting like all these crazy specters, like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Um, another sip. And it was supposed yeah. to be like <laughs> it was supposed to be like one, like the Marshmallow Man was supposed to be like one of fifty large scale monsters that they were going to be fighting across time and different dimensions, kind of like Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. I mean, I'm telling yeah. you, it, keep, <laughs> it keeps coming, coming around, back, doesn't it? That's interesting. I mean, but the movie had a f- foot in that world. Like, that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning. Like, the opening, genuinely scary. Yeah. It's a great way to start that movie. Yeah. Um, and then it gets lighter from there. But there are bits that are, like, dual freaked me out. Yeah. Like, Dana being possessed or annoyed, freaky. Dana um, getting, like, like the arms coming out of the chair and grabbing her and taking her into oh, the room. Dude, like, the very dog- creepy. Yeah. I know they don't look very good now, but the dog I remember freaking me out when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, it still had a hand in it. I think one, I think you'd lucky to get one marshmallow man, let alone yeah. fucking 50. Yeah. Just, I know, think this would kind of work. There's not too much going on with it, but like there is a yeah. healthy blend of like stuff that's actually kind of spooky that had not really been seen before to like this mm. weird sort of like goofy comedy that it just blurs the line really nicely. And that's kind of how it, how it kind of works. And it, it's hard to replicate even in the sequel, <laughs> like, you know, like which we'll get to a little later. Cause I'm not even talking about reboots yet. I'm talking about the, its own sequel. Isn't that great, but we'll get to. Oh, we're going to fight over that. so ghostbusters (laughs) ghostbusters would have been a comedy vehicle for not only Aykroyd but his friend and snl blues brothers co-star john belushi Belushi. and also rising young star eddie murphy so it would have been those three uh but unfortunately john belushi would pass away in 1982 while uh Aykroyd was writing the film so it's kind of a shame. That's I think he shame, said man. he was writing a line that would have been Belushi's line. And he got a call from like their, I think they had a joint talent manager or something or his talent mm-hmm. manager called him 
and said, yeah, Johnny died. So, yeah. Fucking horrible. Fucked up, man. I mean, I know that, like, a thought of tribute in this movie to Boshi, as you probably have. But Mm -hmm. I I do always think of that. I was a huge John Belushi fan when I was a kid. So the idea that, you know, you he died young and you already like missed out on what he could have done, but it's like he would have fit so nicely into Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's a, it's a really big shame. I mean, Belushi was really funny, man. I really liked him. It's, it's a sucks. They like, it just really sucks that he had such like problems and stuff. And, you know, we talked about this with a lot of, I think I I can't remember if we were talking about a little bit with like, you know, Chris far, like not Chris Farley, um, John Candy, uh, which kind of yeah. brought up Belushi, kind of brought up Chris Farley, like these these young, like just funny fucking comedians that just like are t- taken way too early, like just mm. gone way too early and just could have done so much more. Yeah. And a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about coming to America, we kind of got on to the whole Eddie Murphy thing. And it's really confusing with this film of like what they were actually envisioning <laughs> with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> because I'll get to it in a bit when we get more into like the Peter Vinkman character. Oh, he'd be playing Vinkman. Well, it's strange. Like, it feels like maybe he was supposed to be Winston, but there's conflicting stories. Like, you know, you have Ackroyd saying that he was like, oh yeah, that was supposed to be Eddie Murphy, Winston. But then you have like Ivan Reitman disputing that. It's really strange. And we knew from a couple of weeks ago that like, Eddie Murphy couldn't do this film or he decided not to do it so that he could go do Beverly Hills Cop, which is like fine. Like it's hard. It's hard for me to fault like that decision because like from one good movie to another. Yeah. And it's, it's fucking great. Beverly Hills Cop. It's really good. And I like, you know, again, another film that has problematic sequels that aren't that, you know, they're, they're kind of like me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's very interesting. Like what could have been, and I don't really know what they really had in mind is kind of, it's kind of strange. Cause it seems like John Belushi's character would have been more of the Vinkman as well. And some of these That's who I stories. So yeah, think it's really is. interesting. And he's far more likable than Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Definitely. Uh, this led to, speaking of which, Ackroyd asking Bill Murray to join the project, who basically only agreed if he didn't have a written agreement in the film. Like, he just, it's like, that's just how he worked, which... I'll do it, bro. Dude, I'll do it if I can not, just leave at any point. <laughs> I'm not going I'm to I'm sign anything. I don't want all the pressure. I don't, I don't believe in contracts, okay? <laughs> it's like, the only thing I'm putting my name on is the check. <laughs> <laughs> You pay me, I'll, I'll me sign that check. My money. <laughs> uh, with Dan Aykroyd's script complete, though, Ivan Reitman previously, you know, he previously produced Animal House and he directed Meatballs and Stripes. He was brought on to helm the director's chair and basically told Aykroyd the script was a little too out there and that it will probably cost around two hundred to three hundred million dollars in nineteen eighty three money to produce. So yeah. <laughs> that's how crazy the I said so like literally like one of fifty crazy monsters. Yeah. Like dude, I would have been meeple. Yeah. <laughs> like you need to just <laughs> let's bring it down a little. Yeah. Just pull it down. Yeah. 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 Ivan Reitman said he envisioned the story to be a little bit more about guys who go into business together and 
So he asked his pal Harold Ramis to come onto the project and that he would help rewrite the script with Dan Aykroyd. And Ramis was keen just as long as he could also have a role in the film. So that's how I'm Harold so Ramis got involved. <laughs> yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny because like Harold Ramis, obviously like he had like a lot of chops, like he was a part of the whole like, I, I can't remember if he was a part of Second City. I think he was. But then he was also part of National Lampoon. So there was like, he had his sort of foot in that door. Yeah. And then Animal House through that. Could, didn't he direct yeah. Animal House? No, no that was uh, Landis. Landis. But he wrote Animal House? Yeah, I think I so. Believe- and he wrote like Caddyshack. And yeah, so he had a sort there of like yeah. foot in the writer's door of things. And then it was like when he did Stripes, that's when he like stepped away from just being a writer and he started acting as well. And that was sort of like, wow, this guy actually... <laughs> he can act and it'll be really fun to see like what he he's can do. very so, funny yeah so yeah aside from directing the film ivan reitman was also brought in to pitch the film to studios reitman went to columbia pictures who he had previously had his hit film stripes with and pitched to studio executive frank price with Aykroyd's one sentence pitch basically it was just <laughs> ghost janitors in new york <laughs> have all my money <laughs> yeah price was like pretty skeptical of the film but he was interested in working with the people because you know you had like dan Aykroyd, you had harold ramus like was in talks to help rewrite the script ivan reitman and then also bill murray as this sort of like dan Aykroyd's like yeah bill murray said he'll do it he'll be in the movie so i, I i'm i'm telling you he'll he'll be there just just put just kind of blanket out he'll he'll find it <laughs> <laughs> and uh he asked ivan reitman how much this outrageous sounding movie would cost and basically like Reitman apparently just going off the back of like what it cost him to make stripes, which was $10 million and then holding Double up all that. <laughs> yeah. He was like holding up, like apparently he held up the ghostbuster script and he was just like, like as if he was weighing it or something. He was like, he weighing was just it? like uh, it feels Lady like, you know, 25 million is reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's crazy. That's really good. Yeah, and Price agreed on the budget and the movie with one stipulation that it must be a firm release on June the 8th, 1984, in time for the summer season, which left them around 13 months to finish the script rewrite, shoot the movie, create and finish all the special effects that they envisioned for the film. So it was just like a lot to do in a very short amount of time. (laughs) <laughs> than a tight schedule just shoot himself in the foot but yeah i mean do they get it done we'll find out <laughs> how that, that, that um porter treating it's actually pretty porter? good yeah it's a porter 5.2 percent tiny rebel not, bad. Uh, not an yeah. ad um but if you tiny rebel could wants be. to sponsor us hit us up boys <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile coca-cola they had bought Columbia Pictures, and I don't know if it was like around that what? same time or if it was like just like a little bit prior or whatever. But yeah, Coca Cola owned Columbia Pictures at the time. Okay, did not know that. So were uh, Coca Cola were they like skeptic? I think it was the money or something. I don't know, and they just didn't really like get it. They didn't 
understand and they thought it was too much but we money. have bill murray maybe whatever the reason. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we might have bill murray <laughs> we might have bill murray yeah it was it's really strange i don't really get it but this guy he he so he was the columbia ceo and he was also an executive with coke once coke bought columbia he got this executive position his name was okay. faye vinson this guy seems like a big asshole. It turns out later he ended up becoming the commissioner of major league baseball. And like the owners of baseball, like all these baseball teams were trying to drive him out and they basically <laughs> voted to get him out of being the commissioner, which is really funny. Good. So he must yeah. have sucked as the commissioner as well. Uh, so yeah, this guy the movie stuck to coat. <laughs> this guy sent his lawyers to convince Frank price to not pursue the film. Basically, Frank Price like just was like, no, I'm going to make it. The lawyer reported back <laughs> Sounds funny. that he was out of control. And this sort of led Price to like basically having to leave Columbia. It was sort of this weird thing where he wasn't necessarily, I don't like know if he was necessarily rep. fired, but they kind of moved him out. Pushed him like, out. get out. Yeah. The fuck? Very strange. I wish these people could look at the decisions in hindsight. You know what I mean? Like. You're trying mm-hmm. to stop Ghostbusters being made, and you have no idea the juggernaut this movie is going to be, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to feel so fucking stupid in a couple of years. I just wish yeah. you could see it now. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because in the reboot in 2016, Coca-Cola's fucking logos were all over fucking everything. It was on everything. Right. Coca-Cola everywhere. That was the jizz in that film. It was just Coke logos. Yeah. So this led Aykroyd... Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman to take a trip to Martha's Vineyard where they worked on the script together over several weeks and they apparently smoked a lot of weed. And uh, now, yeah, it feels like it. (laughs) Now I'll say it's time for snack time. With the mere mention of weed, we go into a snack time. Munchies. <laughs> Munchie times. Right. Do you have a, another snack or what the porter you I do have a, another snack, but I, it's, you know, the porter is kind of like, it's it's yeah. the main. I mean, you killed it. Fucking action. smashed it. Yeah. yeah. Stay puff marshmallow um, man on the can. It's it, really cool. Yeah. I mean, I had several directions to go. Yeah. With the Ghostbusters snack time. We could go obvious. We could go Twinkie. Could go Twinkie. Twinkie. The Twinkie. But we've done Twinkie a few times. Yeah. Um, and then I thought Jello. Could go Jello. Slimer. There's a line. Of, yeah, there's a line about Jello, right? Where he's like, uh, "Oh, there's always room for Jello." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this movie, right? I think so. I'm be, not sure. It might be good. <laughs> it could be good too. I think, but, but I went. I went for the plastic. Um, Cause I don't really like Jello. Come on, there's always room for Jello. Um, marshmallows. Nice. Yeah, I was tempted to do that. 
big old marshmallow boy and make like a marshmallow man. And I should have done that, but then I bought the can of marshmallow man. Um, these are vegan marshmallows. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Plant kitchen marshmallow, vanilla flavored marshmallow. They come in white and pink. I don't think there's a difference. <laughs> and I don't think this, they're going to make very much noise, but I'll go for it anyway. Can you hear it? I can hear you just going. Mmm, <laughs> creamy. These are really good. They good? Um, this, this is pretty good. I'm gonna make more of these later. But for nice. now, just regular old marshmallows. What's our rating? Um, How many proton packs are you giving <laughs> your your uh, marshmallows? Hmm, I'm feeling like uh, like a light four. A light four, that's not bad. Maybe a high a high three, light four. A high three. Yeah. yeah. That's not too bad. Even middle of the road's pretty good. good. It's a vegan They're snack good. as I mean, well. Does it taste like just like yeah. a normal marshmallow? It does. Nice. Just without the not bad. gelatin? Yeah. Or whatever. Gelatin? I don't know what's in marshmallows. Sugar and water, right? Sugar. <laughs> I don't marshmallows is one of those things. Like if I locked you in a room, I know this sounds threatening. Um, but if I locked you yeah. in a room. It's not the right climate for locking people in a room, Phil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't kink shame. If I locked you in a room and like I gave you all the ingredients, all the pieces to make a marshmallow, could you make a marshmallow? You know what I mean? Like I yeah. have no idea like the chemical combustion that needs to happen to make a marshmallow. Yeah, no no clue. I mean, in this movie it's easy, Dan. I could just think of it, but <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't know. Bunch of sugar and and uh, and and water and heat it up and gelatin or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. No, probably not. I no. wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> I can melt it. You give me you give me a marshmallow in, in a pot. I can melt a marshmallow down to some goop. What if I gave you a marshmallow to start with that so you could like reverse engineer? <laughs> How does this work? <laughs> what are you? What are you? What is in you? <laughs> yeah, what is it? Did you reverse engineer it into the the original ingredient? <laughs> yeah. And then just remake and it. And then put it back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This Sorry. sounds like we smoked a lot of weed. Yeah. What did you have at night time? Yeah. I thought like, okay, cool. I can go. I could go Twinkie. I could do that. There's the Twinkie reference. I was like, oh, I can do another one of those green slimy milkshakes, uh, like not milkshakes, uh, green slimy uh, juices, whatever yeah. I made, s- smoothie that I made uh, yeah. for the Garbage Pill Kid episode. Go check it out. Um, I didn't take a photo of it. Who cares? But I did drink one and I almost <laughs> died. It was really good. Um, it was really funny. <laughs> and I thought like, okay, well, you know, there's plenty of food and stuff. And then I saw it. And I, I wanted to do this for coming to America. I just didn't have time. And I had enough time to do this. I saw it when I was watching the film. Fucking Egon. He's sitting there. He's eating just random snacks. And it is a box of Cheez-Its. And I was just yeah, like, boy. yes. Any excuse to like. To get some Cheez-Its. To get some Cheez-Its. My favorite snack in the entire world. The UK wow, does not know. It's the family size. I'm so excited. The UK just doesn't know about this. This is like made with 100% real cheese. It's like the cheesiest Cheez-its cracker snack. It's so good. You got me and you got me onto cheese it because you brought them for an all night one. And I was like, <laughs> fucking clap. <laughs> yeah. Five proton packs. 
breaking it. Fuck it. Seven proton packs. We're going fucking yeah. Dave Meltzer on this. It's a seven star uh, snack for a seven star man. <laughs> All right. Okay, let's get into the cast. All right. So Bill Murray, Peter Venkman, he's the mouth of the Ghostbusters, basically. The mouth, yeah. I mean, he's the perfect, like, uh, AD hero, right? Like, I yeah. think I've talked about it before on Groundhog Day. Bill yeah. Murray, like, just personified the smart-ass guy in American comedy so well. Mm-hmm. The mouth that keeps getting everyone into trouble, but he can he can sort of back it up. He's kind of cool in this movie. He, you know, he still gets to be one of them, you know, one yeah. of the boys. It's like, yeah, they're a weird crew of guys, really, the Ghostbusters, and that's why I kind of, like... I said he's the mouth, and these are kind of what they are. He's he's the mouth. He's he's the one who talks he's a lot party of dude. shit. He, yeah, he talks a lot of shit. He dry like his you know it's the dry Bill Murray performance that just makes it so fun, where he's just spouting off mm-hmm. nonsense the entire time, and it's like really funny lines like nonstop throughout the film that just like really works. And he's just always like you know talking shit to people. It's just really fun. I, I would put that up there with one of my favorite Bill Murray performances. I think he's like really fucking good in this film. Really funny. Yeah, it's not it's my favorite. Effortless. I think I, th- I still like think that my top is, is Groundhog Day. I think that's just like that is the essential Bill Murray role. Uh, but this one, like, it's very fun. Like it's he's very- hitting all the notes, I think. And it's just like kind of what you want from Bill Murray. But like I said earlier, his character's kind of a creep at times, and it's kind of like a bit weird. He's in a piece of shit. Climate. He's meant to yeah. be a piece of shit. A piece it's the of first shit. scene of the movie yeah. where he's like basically scamming a woman, um, <laughs> you know, making her think she has like psychic yeah. powers, so he can yeah. go out with her. Although I find like, that very, busy, busy. I find that very interesting. But he's lying to he's, the kid. Yeah, he's lying to the kid, uh, and he's really he's funny. basically shocking him, and he tells the girl that the whole idea of it is that like he's trying to see if by shocking that he can create some sort of weird psychic connection it's like a really weird thing that he's talking about but yeah, he's almost he kind of doing it to the guy because he keeps shocking it. him and the guy like is one off like he's, he's so right. close yeah. and then he finally yeah. gets one right and bill murray lies. <laughs> <laughs> you you have the gift i think that yeah i think he's uh, a bit of a creep and he's a bit of a woman and but yeah I think he gets away with it in this movie because they do the th- in the first and second movie because the second movie had like a horrible like daytime show. Yeah, he's a, a yeah. loser. They're all losers. Yeah, it isn't like popular with the ladies and had you know isn't taken seriously by the community. Bit of a hack, bit of a con man. Mm. He's sort of like is interested in this supernatural world, but like it's just using it to make money or trying to make money. Yeah. Con man. Um, and by the t- yeah, con man. And by the time he meets um, Sigourney Weaver, then that the element of like she forced him to grow up a little bit. Yeah, she's the you one. Know, take you know, be serious with it. She's the one. Yeah, um, she's a babe. Know, she's, <laughs> she, she's a babe. Um, you know, the, the line was like you know she, you know she's a dog now, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's just Van- that yeah. fucking horrible eighties like humor. It's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, but Van- like, Van- like, he has that horrible line, dude. Yeah, he has that horrible line when he's going into like when they go into the um to the library, which I th- you know it's great. Like he goes to talk to the librarian, and she's just like, 
you know, telling him because he's such a skeptic, which makes it it actually kind of makes it funnier because he is a skeptic, whereas like he has to learn to believe in the paranormal. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he's a con man. He's just like, you know, he's more into the psychology side of things, I guess. And then like, you know, the more more into like how the mind is working and how people perceive like paranormal sort of, you know, psychosis or whatever. But mm. like you know dan Aykroyd's character ray is more of like the guy who's just fully believing in it and then egon's more of the scientist of it so it's like it's really yeah, the brains. It's, it's really funny like how he's he's like such a skeptic but he gets like turned into this like believer but there's that whole weird thing at the like fucking library when he goes in and he talks to the lady and he's just like oh are you like menstruating right now or something it's such a horrible like <laughs> oh <fucking> yeah <laughs> weird it's like, ah. and those are the bits i forget about when i'm like thinking <laughs> yeah. about the movie then i rewatch it i'm like, like oh, oh, i like that bit where he comes oh. in and he's like fucking it did with e who done, whoever done to the table and he comes in and he's like, I just remember the line. Sorry. Um, it's uh, the, the ninth lady who hired us before she got turned into a dog. What are you talking about? Um, yeah, he, he's all over the place. Um, he, he a, fucking improvised his ass off in this film as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I never saw it like that, like being turned into blue. I mean, it's Han Solo. It's the same mm. sort of thing. You always need that guy. Yeah. Could he like our way in? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we yeah. feel kind of lost with all the yeah. gibberish the other Which characters. I'll get into a little bit more of another character. Um, but before we get to the next couple of guys, I will say that, you know, as we mentioned, the role was originally written for John Belushi in mind, but apparently Chevy Chase and Michael Keaton were also considered before Bill Murray was Keaton, yes. brought on. Chevy Chase, no. Yeah. But also, you got to remember this is 84 Keaton. This is kind of a, like, this is, like, it'd be an early Keaton role. Is this before Beetlejuice? Yeah. No. Yeah, it is, right? Yeah. All so, right. But what do you even yeah. done? I mean, had he done Mr. Mom by that point? I don't think so. And he hadn't done Multiplicity because that was later. Yeah, that was, that was later. Like, yeah, or well, Mr. Mom was 83, so yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. Oh, so he had his breakout, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe. Been maybe. Early yeah. in his career, but yeah. Um, but yeah, they were both considered, but they turned down the role. Chevy Chase, I don't know why Michael Keaton turned it down. Chevy Chase turned it down because um, when he was shown a script by Aykroyd, the script that he was shown uh, was the older version of the script before Harold <laughs> Ramis got involved, and Fixed he was it just up, like, yeah. yeah, he was just like, this is totally not the movie. The movie that I was shown was like a lot darker and scarier and just like didn't seem like something right. that would be fun. <laughs> so yeah, good. Went to Bill Murray, you know, and Bill Murray. Yeah. Iconic performance. Knocked uh, out the, the studio. The studio really wanted Bill Murray by this point though. Cause they were really, I think that was sort of the, the they were riding on the idea that Bill Murray was going to be in this film. Ackroyd kept saying Bill Murray was going to be in this film. They didn't uh, <laughs> sign any formal agreement, so they were trying to keep Bill Murray happy. And in in a way to do this, Columbia Pictures had uh, basically funded his passion project, which was a remake of the 1946 drama The Razor's Edge, which Bill Murray basically turned in his first dramatic performance in. Yeah, and, a weird uh, one. Very weird movie. Didn't get the love that it that it, uh you know that he had hoped. He hoped. Um, didn't really turn him into like the star that he actually would become, but it, I think it would he take a long it. time. Yeah. 
he said it it was a good learning experience for him he said but like mm-hmm. it wasn't what he hoped it was going to be you know but i i appreciate that it's like we talked about jim carrey like you know stepping out before Try people were really ready and trying something to not be the same old comedy actor because bill murray's like legendary now like you think about all the films he's done now where he plays it's comedy but he's also playing very dramatic performances and stuff like it's amazing Mm -hmm. man like just some of the stuff he does in some of those wes anderson films the sofia coppola films like he's just fucking amazing he's such a good actor yeah yeah so bill murray offered like very little input on the script in these early meetings and stuff and basically they were just scared that he may not show up like, like I think it was like the day they day before shooting, he just wasn't even there. There was no word from him. He wasn't returning any calls and stuff. And they were just like, great. Oh, but then luckily on the first day of shooting, Bill Mary was there and he was there for the rest and it was all fine. <laughs> and he's very funny. In that movie. Yeah, you're right. I think he it provided a lot. Yeah. Good in, God. In that so <laughs> like every, everything feels so natural that it feels like improvised anyway but like when he's really going off like you know like classic but like you know cats and dogs living together in that <laughs> yeah. area that just feels like he's yeah. just saying a bunch of shit yeah. <laughs> and hoping it lands yeah uh it's great every bill murray got that early like subversive performance where he just feels like he knows he's in a movie <laughs> and he's like mm. making fun of the movie constantly you know like yeah, every, the way like, he delivered thing where he'd like tell him about the Twinkie and he's like what about the Twinkie? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. about the twink- what about the what Twinkie? About, like, he's like yeah. yeah he has a really good way of like doing that where it just it's still kind yeah, of Yeah I'm fun, excited you know? I love like, this plan easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it's hard to know where he's coming from mentally all the time it's really really funny just thinking about Bill Murray I had a friend uh, that lived well, I mean, I think he's out in California now. And he told me one day when he was just at a grocery store, like whatever's out fucking West, like Ralph's or whatever. I don't fucking know. He was like <laughs> walking through the parking lot and he sees this man and he notices his Bill Murray and Bill Murray's just like, like just walking and notices that my friend's looking at him and he just looks at him and he's just like, huh. And he just goes straight up to my <laughs> friend and he just looks at him and goes, I saw you looking at me. I saw you. <laughs> like, and then just walking. Oh, that's funny. Oh, good. It's like so weird. The weird Bill Murray encounters. Like, this is always so funny. I saw you. The Bill Murray stories are great. Now there's so many that, like, that we need to buy. But, like, for a while, it was like, he showed up at my wedding and he was like, no one will ever believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? It's, it's like that eating, sort of eating fries off of people's plates and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a whole documentary I mean, Bill about just, Bill Murray encounters, I think. Yeah. Like, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate to, like, I hate to buy into that sort of uh, the cult of Bill Murray. Cause I don't know how he is, like, at the person, but he just a fascinating figure that like has been able to maintain a popularity for years in different ways to different Mm -hmm. audiences everybody like across the years everybody will know him for something and appreciate him for something 
and that just I, crazy impressive to me. And he's funny. Yeah. He's just so definitely naturally funny, like funnier than most people without trying. Like that, like just going up to your friend and doing that. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's more than you could ever want from a meeting. Yeah. It's better than a picture. <laughs> it's better than an autograph. It's a story. Yeah. All right. Well, we have Dan Aykroyd as Ray Stance. So I see him as he's the heart of the Ghostbusters. He's the he's the fucking yeah, yeah. believer. He's the he's believer. The little kid in the group that just like absolutely just loves and gets excited about everything, every stupid little thing. Yeah. And that's just like Dan Aykroyd in real life. It just really works really well that he's playing that character because he is such a believer of the paranormal and UFOs and all sorts of stuff. It's really funny. We said it's it earlier. Just to be it there. It's funny yeah. just like how passionate he is. Yeah. But of course. He gets a blowjob from a ghost in this film. What yeah, fuck? what the fuck? <laughs> like that? Like, <laughs> it. I mean, that you know, uh, like secretly, that's what Dan Aykroyd always wanted, and he got to do it in this movie. And it's just weird. It it it. it you tried to get away with it. Could have part of a montage where, like, you know, the theme song playing. We're having fun, and yeah. with them busting ghosts all over town. You know, we're ready to believe you. Um, but busting ghosts all the town, busting nuts all yeah. over bed, busting nuts, busting nuts <laughs> all over ghosts. It's just, it's very strange. Uh, and it, 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 it's yeah. a dream. It's a dream. Can he like drift it like a like a medieval guy? Right. Remembering that. Question? It is definitely a dream because like that's a weird yeah, thing it's, to it's, include. It's cut man. different. Yeah. All right. So what this was, I looked it up. Should have I was been, trying to figure out what the hell what the hell this was all about. All right, so you have Vinkman's, you know, he's he's got Dana. He's got a love interest. Egon's got Science. He, uh, sorry, <laughs> uh, Eva, yeah, he's got science, but he's also got Janine a little bit. He's got Janine. You're right. She's yeah. she's like sort of into him. That sort of is like sort of implied. They don't really go f- far with it, but it's sort of implied. And then Dan Aykroyd was supposed to have this like relationship with a ghost <laughs> i think they were gonna it was like <laughs> they had all these scenes and stuff that they shot and then that like for some reason left that in as a gag during a montage when they cut out all that shit about like this sort of love interest ghost character and they just put it into that montage of him getting which <laughs> 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 is so no. odd it's like why <laughs> why why i feel like dan Aykroyd wrote that into a contract <laughs> I got to get blown by a ghost. <laughs> I got it. I ain't going to get blown by a ghost. <laughs> no blowjob. No Bill Murray. I walk. I'm going to take my Murray I'll and walk. i walk. I have a verbal agreement uh, with Bill Murray. <laughs> That's more than you have. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we have Harold Ramis as Egon Spangler, the brains of the Ghostbusters. The legend. He's, he's yeah, a legend. He's, I love Harold Ramis. We talked a lot about Harold Ramis and our in our Groundhog Day episode. He's great, man. It's really funny. Just I can like board mold and fungus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just like really funny, like in this film, like his like just dry, like dry humor. Oh, like when he pan. goes like or or the police or whatever, they drop off like Lewis to to like to the Ghostbusters because they don't know what to do with them. They're just like, oh, like, you know, we yeah. can't keep them in the like mental hospital doesn't want them. So we figured we'd bring them to you guys. Like, why? That doesn't make any sense, <laughs> but whatever. Like, why are you going to like these fucking con man Ghostbusters? Whatever. <laughs> like, Jesus. whatever. Yeah. We drop off this fucking dude. 
And uh, he's like, yeah, sure, we'll take him. And then like Janine's just there. He's like, oh, you're such a good man to take that man in. You're, you should get some <laughs> sort of humanitarian award. And he's just like, I'm pretty sure he's not human. It's <laughs> 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 like such a funny line. It's just so stupid. So funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah and he, great. just to undercut, again, a character to undercut everything. Every character is different, and that's yeah. what I appreciate. Yeah, definitely. Something that doesn't happen later on. They all bring a unique sort of flavor, and it works together. And Egon is just fun. He, that character should be so boring, but he's not. He just <laughs> yeah. delivered everything yeah. so well and so memorably. And everything, even like, you know, him doing the Twinkie monologue and then just inhaling it. You know, he does it. <laughs> yeah. what? It's so weird. Yeah. Like um, I think the thing is they like smoked so much weed when they were writing this that they did the bare minimum of like research through Ackroyd and in like the bare minimum of like it works science for me, research for someone who doesn't just, know anything. Yeah, they just like don't explain anything, and it's really funny. Like it doesn't matter. Like that. I mm. I mean it it like and in some respects it's kind of it could be annoying. Like that they don't even. Like they just know how to use everything. All these gadgets work. It's not a, like none of the science is explained. None of the like, like where did the ghost go when you put him inside that fucking chamber thing? Isn't it explains like how he built that. Nothing is explained at all. Yeah, but it kind of works because it. they it just works. don't. And it's just like whatever. It's just they don't like, care. So you so shouldn't lazy. care. <laughs> yeah, it gives you really enough funny. to follow the story <laughs> and engage. And it's great. Yeah. All right, so rounding out the Ghostbusters, we have Ernie Hudson as Winston Zeddemore, who is basically the outsider. He is the everyman. He's the guy who he's the guy, yeah. comes in. Who he comes, he's looking for a job. He's looking for a job. <laughs> and he doesn't know like any of this shit. And he's like everyone else who's just like seeing the Ghostbusters like as these like weird guys who like are doing all this weird living shit. Living a fire station. Doesn't even know if it's real. Yeah, living in Drive a fire a station. It's a weird around. fucking thing. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, all right. And he just gets thrown in. And it's kind of funny. But according to Ernie Hudson, there was an earlier version of the script that gave Winston a larger role. And he was supposed to be like mm. this Air Force demolitions expert with this elaborate backstory. I think he was supposed to be railing all that off when he was talking to Janine when she was asking for his like what he's done and stuff. And they cut a lot of that stuff. And then uh, he was really excited by the part. He agreed to do the job for half of his usual salary because he was like basically like a TV guy. Like he was in TV shows or TV movies and stuff. And this was like his big chance to get like a big role. And Mm -hmm. the night before shooting began, he was given a new script and it was greatly reduced. And a lot of his lines and bits and stuff were given to like to Bill Murray, <laughs> to Peter Vinkman. Like he was supposed to get slimed. Oh, really? Yeah. Winston was supposed to be slimed. He was the one that's supposed to be like, oh, I just got uh, slimed. And they, they gave uh-huh. it to Bill Murray. It's strange. They just like he was supposed to be in a lot earlier in the film as well. And he like comes in much later. And yeah. that's really unfortunate because he's great. Yeah, like he's so Use good. Him if you have him, it's it sucks too because, like I said earlier, it's like awesome. There's a black, there's a black Ghostbuster, and that's fucking cool. And like a young mm. black kid can look at that and just be like, yeah, fuck yeah, I see like like representation there. But then yeah. once you get it, 
Like I get really annoyed at how people view Ghostbusters and talk about how like awesome Winston Zeddemore is, is this like really cool character that shows diversity and stuff, but he doesn't do anything in this film. Like, and it yeah, kind of sucks. Like he's character. just there and yeah. he, he's like turns, it just basically turns into like, he's the token black guy and that sucks. Like, yeah. yeah. Like and it, it didn't really have sucks. to be like that. Yeah. Like I'm glad that in the cartoon he gets taken a little bit more seriously. Of course. But then yeah. it turns into like, like, you know, they have this whole, like they really flesh out, I think a little bit more Winston Zeddemore's character in the cartoon. And, uh, they really flesh out the entire world. They answer a lot of the questions that I was talking about earlier of like, like how things aren't like explained in this film, where, the, where did the ghost go and all this sort of stuff. They flesh that out in the, in the real Ghostbusters cartoon. And mm-hmm. then Ernie Hudson, like goes out for the role of Winston Zeddemore in the Ghostbusters cartoon. And the director who was casting or whatever was just sort of like, yeah, we want him to sound like, you know, like Winston in, in the movie and stuff. And Ernie Hudson's like, well, that should be easy. I'm the guy. I'm, I'm him. And <laughs> I, they just, but I'm Winston. <laughs> yeah, and they just didn't seem to know who it was. And then they end up casting Arsenio Hall. So it's just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> this poor guy. That's so strange. Yeah. But he's so cool. Like. He what doesn't seem to have a problem with it all. And he's just like, I can't like look at it as a race thing or anything like that. Like I can't, yeah. cause then I won't. Could like, he part of the ghost, but did he an important yeah. part? Yeah. He'd one of them. It's the double edged sword. It's like, they're kind of doing it because he's there and he sticked around. It's not like they kill him off or anything. Yeah. He's a important member of the team, but he, that, yeah. In the first movie, at least he not, doesn't have much of a character. So it's yeah. It yeah, it it's frustrating again on rewatch because what is there it's good. He's really good and he played off them well and again adds a completely different uh like voice to yeah the situation, the scene. And it, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that like again, I'm I'm with you, like could I like this movie, but there's no reason to be so fucking precious with it. Any movie. Because <laughs> it done it it's not perfect, not like anything is, but like there's stuff that you can easily poke at and that's yeah. fine because it's just a dumb comedy from the eighties that, you know, it's smart enough. It's funny enough that it people, we still talk about it. That doesn't mean like, you know, we should still make movies like that. Yeah. Yeah, know? definitely. And we like shouldn't hold it up to some higher standard than it is. And we shouldn't be like unable to critique it for what it is and in especially in today's yeah. society and stuff so we're not saying it doesn't have merit that's the yeah, problem not at all. people like don't criticize my thing <laughs> and it's like it's still good dude but it's, it's like, such a good idea that's some well, Ghostbusters up shit. is such yeah. a fucking great idea like it's so good and i'm not even <laughs> saying it didn't even i'm not even saying it wasn't even done well it was it was fucking done well that's why we're talking about it yeah but it's yeah. also like there are there is room for it to have like been better like or it could have been better it could have like been played off better but eh, for sure whatever i like i like ernie hudson and i'm glad that you know he's like he's such a good sport about it and he's yeah he's just cool man like really really cool my sister got to meet him at like a like a convention or something um oh, like cool. a couple years ago and she said he was like the coolest person that she met like he he was just like yeah. talking to everyone, gave them time, and it was just like really cool. So that's he cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, Sigourney Weaver as Dana Barrett, aka Zool, the gatekeeper. Do. There is no Dana, only do. <laughs> Julia Roberts auditioned for the role, apparently. But uh, sure, why not? 
originally when they were casting Dana, though, the filmmakers were just looking for someone who would have, or like anyone really, who would have good chemistry with Bill Murray. But Sigourney Weaver they found it. walked through the door. The star of Alien. She came to the audition and she turned yeah. heads. And it was especially after she told Reitman that she should just turn into one of the dogs that are, you know, on the roof. She's just like reading the script. She's like, I should just turn into one of those. And she just started acting like a dog. And she got up on the coffee table and started doing all like the <laughs> dog things that you see in the film that she does. You and hire her. You hire her right there. <laughs> yeah. That idea actually sparked the ingredient that was missing with the whole Zool gatekeeper and Gozar character, because they basically had no idea what the fuck that was all How about. And it still kind of comes off very fucking, sense. it doesn't make sense. They never, it comes they off never so know how loose. to end the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The two had the same problem yeah. where they fight a fucking painting. Yeah. It's the same thing here. Um, yeah. But at least they found an interesting way to tie it together and to yeah. tie it, the, like Dana into it as well, not yeah. just have her there. And the yeah. woman who Fankman is into and who the refrigerator is talking. Yeah, it's like, it's just weird, man. That whole thing on rewatch, I was just like, what is going on in this movie? It's so fucking stupid. Like, it's great. Her building, it's, so it's like a hot spot yeah. for ghost activity or some yeah. shit. It's just like this loose thing that it was some like guy who had a cult, basically, who was an architect who built Go- the Godarian. Yeah, that was like based on Gozer, the Sumerian god or whatever. It's just like, Whatever. <laughs> so and go to like an 80s like hair metal thinger, you know? <laughs> it's like glam rock. That's what she yeah, looked like. Yeah, glam yeah, rock. Like Gozer's played by uh, Slavitska Jovan. Apparently, they originally wanted Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. No the, way. The sort of business suited architect. I don't know if he was supposed to be like the, whatever the architect's name is. I, I forget his name right now. But, um who mm. built the building. I don't know. And mm. then he was supposed to be Gozer as well, but they changed that role to be inspired by the sort of androgynous looks of like Grace Jones and David Bowie. And that's how they got. Yeah. Yeah. Gozer very Bowie. Very Bowie. Yeah. Yeah. Also Sigourney Weaver, like she changed her role to be like, like her character's profession to be from a model into a musician. Like she thought that that would give her mm. a little bit more of like a sincerity to her. Like, you could show that she's like very like determined and strict and stuff, but also like able to like be a little bit playful. more carefree and playful and stuff. So to have a little bit more, I don't know. That was like an so idea. Tagoni Weaver, so Weaver wrote the character. <laughs> yeah, basically she, helped, she like she came changed in, changed the film. <laughs> she was like, "This is what I'm playing. This yeah. is what I'm playing. This is what yeah. I feel like playing." And she made it a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, she's fucking great. Like she, she's like. A little too eye candy for me in this film as well because I, like you know, she's like damsel in distress, like oh, but at the same time, Sigourney Weaver's fucking awesome. Like mm. speaking of which, someone making a really awesome impression and changing the character was Rick Moranis as Louis Tolley, aka Vince Clortho, the Keymaster. <laughs> Are you the gatekeeper? <laughs> <laughs> Are you the gatekeeper? Originally, the role was meant for John Candy. But uh, Candy oh, man. had a vision, the character being like having this like really thick German accent and keeping dozens of dogs in his apartment. And then he also <laughs> <They're> like, <"Play laughs> <done."> <laughs> he apparently wanted them to like rewrite the character to be in a starring role. So they were like, nah, sorry, Johnny. I mean, he 
I mean, he's essentially one of the stars. You know, whenever they talk about bringing back the OG Ghostbusters, his name is there too. They like yeah. they want him back along with the other ones. Mm. He's that memorable in the movie. Yeah. He's so funny in them. Yeah, Rick Moranis, though, he approached the character to be this big nerd, and he even provided his own wardrobe, and he improvised <laughs> that whole entire <laughs> scene at the party where he was introducing everybody. Like, he's like, yeah, this is, <laughs> 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 this is Karen, and she works over at sales, and like, <laughs> it's so funny. He's so boring. He's just like, oh, I'm going to have this party where I'm just going to invite all yeah. my like work associates so that like I can and then use it out. as a write-off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who brought the dog? <laughs> <laughs> we have Annie Potts as Janine, the uh, Ghost bastard. <laughs> Ghost buses, what do you want? <laughs> Again, a great character coming in completely undercut, doesn't take any of their shit. Yeah. It like again, she she'd like uh go from like skeptic to believer and she's like in the ad with Lewis. It's great. She's yeah. just a great uh really great. Again, it's a smaller role. Yeah. She it'd be you know, didn't have more, but it's very, very funny. Yeah, she's yeah. very memorable, very funny. Like, like, yeah, she has the whole thing. Obviously, in the sequel, they like kind of they build up more with Louis, but like in in the yeah, they play Mario Brothers together. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in the in in the original, yeah, she goes really far for Egon, and there was several scenes apparently with Janine and Egon that were cut that further explored their romance that they just kind of like left out. But yeah, I mean, there's that great scene where she's the just sitting there talking shit to uh to Bill Murray, and he's just like. He, you know, he says something really horrible to her and walks away, and then he comes back and he's like, "I'm sorry about that. That was horrible." <laughs> like, and then, like, <laughs> and then Egon's head just pops out from underneath her desk, and he was like working on a computer. <laughs> it's like so funny. Working on a computer, look. sure. She's got that look, yeah. like mm. <laughs> mm, mm, she knows. All right, yeah. Your boy, William Atherton, Walter Peck. Ah, oh, Dickless. Dickless. Again, playing the same character from Die Hard, yeah. just being a piece of shit that nobody likes. <laughs> He's so good. <sighs> we did a yeah, whole thing could, I mean, about Walter Peck, and Reginald Vell Johnson's also in this film as the jail guard. We did a whole thing. Of course. Breadcrumbs yeah, episode go, five, breadcrumbs, I think. We did the whole theory. <laughs> we did yeah. the whole theory of Reginald Vell Johnson with Ghostbusters, Die Hard, and Family Matters. It's very fun. Go check it out. And rounding out the cast, we have... Uh, People like Larry King and Casey Kasem and Roger Grimsby and Joe Franklin, all those guys appear as themselves. They're all like, you know, celebrity uh, sort of yeah. like newscasters and radio disc jockeys and stuff. So, yeah, they all yeah, appeared yeah. as themselves, which is kind of cool. It was nice to see Larry King just passed away. And it's always cool mm-hmm. to hear Casey Kasem's voice because he has such a good voice. It's really good. Casey yeah. Kasem was shaggy, right? I think he was. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I know him. Yeah. All right, let's get into the special effects because there's a lot going on with this. So when Ivan Reitman was looking for special effects, they turned to industrial light magic. But ILM was too busy working on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Return oh, of the Jedi. That would be Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> Before Howard the Duck. Yeah, just prior. We're in prep. <laughs> Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I mean, so, they have a handful. 
They had their hands full, and the remaining studios that were out there were too small to handle the approximate 630 special effects shots needed for this film. The comedy. What are we doing? Yeah, what is going on? Well, they lucked out when Richard Edlund, who was unhappy at ILM, he was, I think he had finished up on Return of the Jedi and was just sort of like, yeah, I, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave. I want to start my own company. And Ivan Reitman convinced I'm Columbia. <laughs> these fucking Ewoks have had enough. Uh, Ivan Reitman convinced Columbia and MGM, who also needed a special effects studio, to advance Edlin $5 million to fund Boss oh. Film Studios. So they gave him $5 million. He starts his own That's company. Really cool. He poaches a few people from ILM as well. I should do. Have this I new do company. Would. Yeah, it's great. According to Edlin, lawyers used used up much of the time that they needed to set up and stuff to to like finalize all the contracts and stuff, leaving them only ten months to complete work on Ghostbusters. So I think it's bad for everyone. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but time. They, yeah, that would take <laughs> a long time. There's yeah. a lot of visual effects, a lot of miniature work, and. Yeah. Yeah. Camera trip. I uh, just like a lot that has to be done. Like thinking back. Yeah. Like painting over a lot of it. Weird. And also, just- this goes in, like I said, MGM was a part of this deal because they also needed an effects studio that they could partner with. And they were working on 2010, the year we made contact. So, <laughs> like, cool to 2001. An- yeah. Another effects Fucking heavy up. film. And yeah. So, they this were busy. guy, man. They were really busy. Quit one job, get his own company and two movies, like immediately. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And they look great. They did a great job for what they had because, like I said, there's like a quick turnaround time here. They had 10 months. They were working on two big projects. There was a lot of They had to make a shots. lot of jizz. A lot of jizz had to be made. Uh, and, yeah, <laughs> that meant that basically all the effect shots that they were doing were kind of in one take. So that's why this film can kind of look sketchy at times, but it kind of works. Yeah. It's really weird. It, it's it really weird. It's got that. Like the dogs look feel. like shit, but it's kind yeah. of fun. <laughs> okay. It works. That's scary. Uh, Edlin had previously worked on Poltergeist. So he used that as a reference for Ghostbusters. So that's awesome. Like, so you have plenty it's of not the like, same vibe. Yeah. You got plenty to work with there. Slimer. Or, as he was originally known in the film, as the onion head ghost due to the (laughs) unpleasant smell of the puppet. So Slimer, that name didn't come around until the real Ghostbusters television cartoon. Yeah, he's not named here. Yeah, they just called him. He slimed me. Yeah, they called him like the onion head ghost on set because the puppet smelled like onions, apparently. So, (laughs) like, yeah. It's really weird. That's my sweat. Like a little person in there. (laughs) (laughs) He was designed and sculpted by Steve Johnson. And while struggling to come up with the idea for the design, Johnson took at least three grams of cocaine and completed the final design based off of like Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis's wishes to basically be an homage to John Belushi. So it's fitting that he took a lot of coke. Yeah. Kind of. Borderline offensive. Yeah. But sweet. <laughs> so what? He put, no, he took coke he took while a, making he took it? A lot of or coke, he put yeah. cocaine in it? Uh, okay. I mean, he might have put cocaine in <laughs> I it. I thought there was, yeah. <laughs> like that's why it was green. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, basically, uh, it was an homage to Belushi, particularly his character Bluto from uh, Animal House. They just want him to be sort of this of sloppy, like gross character. And <laughs> he's still in the movie. <laughs> Ackroyd called <laughs> Slimer the ghost of Belushi on set, so that's really sweet. And basically, yeah, Slimer. He was voiced by Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman did the voices. Yeah, and he also I did not know that Ivan Reitman also did the voice of Zool through speaking through Dana, that really like deep voice. <sighs> yeah, that's funny. So that worked. Yeah, I mean, Slimer would weirdly become the unofficial mascot of the Ghostbusters, mm, especially in the cartoon. Yeah, especially in the cartoon and on like on merchandise, he's on everything. But like in in the movie, he sort of. I mean, it's a pivotal scene in the first one. Yeah. Oh, I could I get to show full like first full fledged ghost like full floating apparition or whatever they call it. And then he had a cameo in like the second one. But yeah, it was the cartoon, I guess, that really built up yeah. that character. It's just weird to see. <laughs> the uh puppet was that was sculpted took six months to make and the cost was around three hundred thousand dollars. The full-size foam rubber puppet was worn by Mark Wilson, and it was filmed against a black background. And basically, the puppeteers had to manipulate his his movements by like using cables, and then there was a lot of like camera movement as well. And I think because they were shooting everything so quickly, they were just kind of like, "Dude, who knows if this is gonna work? Who fucking knows?" <laughs> yeah, we'll put it. You know, we'll overlay it. We'll shoot yeah. it rear projection we just hope it kind of lines up together <laughs> this works it actually slimer yeah. is one of the cooler things in the film as far as like these weird goofy ghosts. one of the better effects yeah, yeah. really well holding up another effect that i i feel like still pretty much holds up is the stay puff marshmallow man for sure love the stay puffed this is funny this was designed by a friend of dan Aykroyd's who is referred to as the viking who <laughs> was given instructions on basically okay. being the combination of the Michelin Tire Man and the Pillsbury Doughboy with the sailor's hat. Ackroyd, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he just thought it was hilarious once he finally saw it. He just had this, like, weird, like, vision of this thing. It is. And when he saw it, he was just and like, this sh- is so funny. It, sh- <laughs> it shouldn't be scary. And it, they turned yeah. this, like, really lovable thing into, like, a city destroying monster. <laughs> yeah. it's so it becomes like Godzilla, and it's a great thing. They yeah. it's like they give it something to they. He gives them something to fight, something insurmountable that makes the ending way more impressive than just shooting a woman dressed as David Bowie. Yeah, at the end of the day, crushing their. It, it doesn't really it doesn't really do much. It, it's kind of funny because at the end, it's just like, all right, we're gonna just cross our streams and. And then it blows okay. up, but whatever. It's great. Yeah. It's a good, it's like just a memorable moment. It's a really funny thing to see Yeah, the whole like incarnation of it. Like just Ray's sort of like, 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 all right, everybody block out your minds, block out your minds. And then Ray's yeah. face just sort of like, yeah, oh. <laughs> it's like it's the first thing I could think of <laughs> when somebody asked you, if you're a God, you say yes. <laughs> the, uh, That's funny. <laughs> The Marshmallow Man was fabricated and portrayed by an actor and special effects artist, Bill Bryan, who modeled his walk on Godzilla. So there you go. You you sort of like said it's sort of like Godzilla. Stick with that. Keep that in your fucking mind. In your mind. In your mind. Godzilla. Keep it in your mind. Uh, There were 18 foam suits 
each costing around $25,000 to $30,000. Uh, 17 of them worn by stuntman Tommy Caesar were burned as part of filming. So fucking most of them were just used to be burned. <laughs> Smell delicious. <laughs> there were three different heads for the suit built from foam and fiberglass with different facial expressions and movements controlled by cable mechanisms. The costume was filmed against uh, scale models uh, to finish the effects. So yeah, they had like, basically they were only able to find like one model of this like police car that was correct to scale. And then they bought several of them and then they just modified <laughs> them to make them look like other vehicles. And then <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's how they got that whole effect done, which is really cool. I really cool. love that the, at the printer hall cinema. So like it's a, yeah, Ghostbusters. It's every so often it hits our screens and every so often we'll do something, something kind of around, fun yeah. with it. Like, um, we'll have like a special intro or something like that. And we sometimes have an appearance of the stay puff marshmallow man. Cause down in the basement of the cinema in this room called room 13 that we may have mentioned before on the podcast, there exists a box of costumes and mm. inside that box, there is a stay puff cool shit. marshmallow man costume that I have. There is. I'm waiting probably to probably worn at least have once you? or twice to perform as oh, the state of Marshmallow Man before Ghostbusters and get shot with silly string. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's man. really fun. Yeah. I hope we can bring that back. Yeah. It's been a long time. I feel like since we've shown Ghostbusters, at least like in that sort of respect of it being sort of like this fun, big event and stuff. So yeah. The weird one, because it can work at like a summer movie. Yeah. And like a holiday movie, like a Halloween. Yeah, definitely. Thing, ghost and shit. And the second one is a Christmas movie. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> so the marshmallow raining down on the crowd was shaving cream. It wasn't jizz. It was shaving cream. <laughs> You'd have to wait too long for the jizz. <laughs> it's a waste. Shaving it's a waste of good jizz. Worked way better. It's a waste. Uh, it's a waste. Originally, they planned on using uh, 150 pounds, so around 68 kilograms of cream, but it... <laughs> that would crush people. <laughs> it basically did. They dropped it on a stuntman as a test, and it just knocked them down completely, so they dropped the weight <laughs> down to 75 pounds, or around 34 kilograms, which is still pretty heavy. They're better. Uh, <laughs> still a lot. That's like a child falling on you. There is a lot of fucking cream that they use as well. It's insane. The cream a acted cream. as like... A skin irritant. <laughs> it basically, it gave a lot of the actors like rashes and stuff. Like, just, oh my god, it's so much. It's everywhere. All over the, it's all over the walls. <laughs> it's just all over the walls. Uh, Randy <laughs> Cook was responsible for creating the quarter scale stop motion puppets of Gozer's minions, Zool and Vins, the terror dogs, when they were in motion and stuff. The model was heavy mm. and unwieldy. It took nearly 30 hours to film it moving across the street when it was supposed to be like chasing after Lewis Tolley. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's the dodgiest shot with the dog. Yeah. Cause it's made before the advent of CGI and stuff. So like any of these non puppet mm. ghosts, they had to be animated that way. And it just like, it took ages to shoot and it just looks kind of dodgy by today's standards. Yeah. But, but it had its own charm. Yeah. It's like, the best they could do at the time. Yeah. It's not like something poorly done. It's sort of you know? like when you go back and watch RoboCop, like those fucking like police machine things that they have, like these robots, they just look really fucking stupid. The thing that really like falls dumb. down the <laughs> Yeah, it looks really dumb, but it's like, it's actually okay. kind of cool. It's it's just like really fun. 
Like, you know, it looks bad yeah. by today's standards, but then again, some things look too fucking fake because they're just like so realistic. I don't know. They go beyond sometimes and with the CGI. The Uncanny Valley, like, yeah. <laughs> it went, yeah, it's just too much of like both. I yeah. would like both. Could I get it that some things you couldn't make in CGI, but that some um, stuff that just looks really shit yeah. in CGI. That just takes me <laughs> out of the movie. Yeah. Oh. Several titles were considered for the film since Ghostbusters was legally restricted by Universal Studios and it was owned by this 1970s like children's show called The Ghostbusters. The filmmakers battled throughout filming. They were trying to obtain the rights to the name and they even filmed two versions of some scenes where they were calling things like Ghostbusters. They were the Ghostbusters and people were shouting Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. But then also <laughs> they were filming the same scene right back to back where they were referred to as ghost breakers. <laughs> like imagine oh, it was called ghost breakers. Oh, that would be horrible. It doesn't even make yeah, sense. What is that? Bad. What does that mean? Ghost breakers. Ghost breakers. Yeah. All right. So I told you this whole story about Frank Price who greenlit the film. He was driven out of Columbia by Coke. Is that, is that a pun, Phil? He was driven out of <laughs> Columbia by Coke. Oh, I see um, where you're going. So yeah, he had gone to head up Universal. And he was like believer in Ghostbusters and stuff. And he did them a solid and he sold them the rights to the name. So basically Columbia Pictures bought the name Ghostbusters for $500,000 and basically 1% of the film's profits. And basically due to Hollywood accounting, the film never made a profit. (laughs) So Columbia never paid Universal that one percent. What? Yeah, dude. Wait, wait, wait. Look wait, up. Wait, wait. We need to Go do ahead. an episode on Hollywood accounting. Like it is fucking bonkers. That sounds like a scam. It sounds is like they like cook the book, yes. so they yes. don't have to pay anyone back. <laughs> they have great. They have a Good book for themselves to like to show off how much money they made. They have a book for the IRS. To like basically defraud on taxes. Uncle Sam. And then they have a yeah. book for all the people who like basically like have been owed points. Anytime you hear about like points made a in deal. a film, yeah. those people never get paid. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's insane. Films that have made so much money will like basically kind of come off as saying we're not profitable because they're like oh, well, the studio needs to recoup its money. And then there's this and that. And this person's supposed to get paid that and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like- It's impossible to make your money back in a movie, basically, (laughs) because it costs so much. Yeah, but they're bullshitting as well because they're just skimming all that money. And like, you know, who like they made a lot of money on this film. So- Yeah. What's going on? (laughs) It's fucking nuts. Hollywood accounting. I think that'd be a really funny episode to go through, like all the bonkers. I would love to learn about craziness that. of Hollywood accounting and all the fucking stories of films who claim they didn't make any money, although they've made like half a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> Insane. Yeah. This is also, I think, why I think the cartoon was called The Real Ghostbusters because I was about to say that makes more sense. Now. Yeah. So even though I think Columbia bought the rights to it, there was still the Ghostbusters. So this 1970s children's show, the Ghostbusters, they, it was owned by this company called like Filmation or whatever. And they made a cartoon around the same mm-hmm. time that the real Ghostbusters came out. 
Really? Yeah. So there was, I think they Just debuted at the exact same time. So there was the Ghostbusters cartoon that had nothing to do with Ghostbusters, the, the movie we're talking about today. And then there was the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> Every kid in America is like, what? <laughs> so it's really funny. They're what? like, well, we're the what? real Ghostbusters. <laughs> ah, that's like the Spinal Tap joke yeah. where it's like, uh, we were the original. There was another band called the original, so we became the new original. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into music. That's a nice segue, Spinal Tap, into the music. So the Ghostbusters score was composed by Elmer Bernstein. Legend. (laughs) (laughs) He was asked by Ivan Reitman to write a really grounded and realistic score that didn't inform the audience a little too much about like when something was funny. So Mm. it's this really nice sort of like 80s comedy sort of score it's really kind of nice score, and, yeah yeah it's like it's got your funny like like your 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 like silly goofy sort of side to it then it's got really weird, walking around music yeah yeah it's got some really weird stuff as well like bernstein went beyond a conventional orchestra for ghostbusters he used both new and old technology so he included the cutting edge yamaha dx7 synthesizer to create weird sounds mm that orchestral instruments couldn't conjure up. But then he also employed the Ons Martinant. It's, I can't really, I don't know how that's supposed to be pronounced, but it's basically <laughs> this really obscure early electronic instrument that's essentially like the keyboard equivalent of a theremin or the weird I'm gonna other say, I was like, was there a theremin? Yeah, so it's you similar. Got that spooky tone. Yeah. yeah. There's like that, electric. particularly the song like where they're in the like, in the library and stuff. And then it appears in other tracks and stuff. So it's really cool sounds. And early on, Reitman and Bernstein discussed the idea that Ghostbusters would feature popular music at specific points to complement Bernstein's original score. Bernstein, I don't think was really up for this, but it's like, what can you do? (laughs) He's not the boss. So this included the hit song that was created after. There we go. (laughs) We have Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters theme. It was created after Reitman approached Huey Lewis to come up with the song for the film. Reitman had been using I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis in the news, which sounds like this. It's playing right now as a placeholder because of its appropriate tempo. So you're getting the vibe. You're like listening to it. But hey, that kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds familiar. Never mind that. He he was busy. He was making back in time for Back to the Future. He didn't want to take on <laughs> any more. Love, yeah. He didn't want to take in any more soundtrack work. So it was too darn loud. Ray Parker Jr. was brought on. You can hear the song. Here's the classic song. Here it comes. Oh God, it's good. Down it, down it, down it. makes me feel good. Gordon Parker. He was approached by the film's producers to create a theme song for the film though he only had a few days to do so and the film's title seemed impossible to include in lyrics however when watching television late at night Parker saw a cheap commercial for a local service that reminded him of like the commercials that are in the film where they're talking about like you know we're the Ghostbusters so he like was looking at that clip and stuff and he was just like oh I should do like this weird pseudo advertising jingle that the business could use like as a promotion exactly. so it's like who are you gonna call Some soul glow ghostbusters so who are you gonna call 
The song was a hit as well. It was a huge hit. It reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and number two in the UK. And it was nominated for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards. But oh, man. it was the subject of not an unoriginal do script it, it, lawsuit, it, it, but an unoriginal song lawsuit. Because shortly... Shortly after the film's release, Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. for plagiarism, alleging that the song copied the melody of a one a new drug. The case was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum, and a confidentiality agreement was signed, basically prohibiting any discussion of the case. So we don't know how much money Huey Lewis got out of it, but I think he said he was pretty rich after defeating Ray Parker in his suit. Yeah, they shut Ray Parker down and they were like, we said something like I wanted a new job. Don't just take the Dude, song. Dude, he took it. <laughs> it's crazy. We write the lyrics. Have you heard this song before? Like, it is crazy. Yeah, I've heard this thing before, yeah. All right, so when, when Huey Lewis gets the hook and stuff, it doesn't sound anything like it, but it's just like the fucking music yeah, yeah. is exactly the same. It even starts with this <laughs> weird, like, guitar riff, this sort of like... Like, it's so weird. It's the same. It's amazing. Fucking Ray Parker. This man, this song is so fucking popular, too, and it's just a ripoff. It is. I mean... It is a ripoff, and like I hope he still gets something for it. But like this song was a hit, still a hit. When I was, like when I was yeah. growing up watching yeah. MTV and VH1, it was a regular video on rotation. Yeah, and it was a huge song, and I always loved the song, and I loved the movie. But it's actually one of my favorite music videos as well. Like clearly filmed after the fact, it's them like walking through Times yeah. Square with Ray Parker Jr. dancing along. Chevy and Chase loads appears and loads of cameos. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, the loads of cameos, like just shots of people yeah. like singing along Danny DeVito. And Chevy Chase had the best one where he like does that cigarette trick where he like <laughs> flicked it into his mouth and flicked it back out. Yeah, yeah. So it, it will always have a soft spot for that. For yeah, yeah. For that reason, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, clearly buff. But it's great. It's iconic. It, whatever. You know, who hasn't ripped off a song from time to time? WCW. I know I have. <laughs> WCW. <laughs> Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Vanilla Ice. Mm-hmm. Will. Will. <laughs> Poor Will. After a scary preview screening for around 200 people, three weeks after principal photography wrapped, and basically they had a lot of missing effect shots and stuff, they were really worried that this wasn't What's happening. Happen. They're like, fuck, oh my God. But the audience loved it. The audience, like, even though there was these, like, you know, cues that came up that said, like, shot scenes. missing or whatever, they still went with it. Like, the scene, like, where Dana opens up her refrigerator and she's just, like, looking so scared and it's just, like, this special effect shot missing and then she, like, closes it and she's, like, screams. Like, the audience still reacted to it. So they knew that they had, like, something it probably special scarier. on their ends. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh so yeah, Ivor Wright was really pleased and and like they knew they were gonna have a hit on their hands. Columbia spent approximately ten million dollars on the marketing. Ghostbusters was released on June the eighth, nineteen eighty four. So they made their date. They made it. They made it, they did it. Yes. Finishing number one in its first weekend ahead of Gremlins that was released the same week. And they knocked Indiana oh, Jones and the Temple of Doom out of the top spot. So what a year for movies. Jesus Christ. 
And it remained at number one for seven weeks before being ousted by Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. (laughs) All in all, the film would make $295.2 million on a $25 to $30 million budget. But it's not bad. Didn't make a profit. They didn't make any profit. They didn't make a profit. They they didn't pay any of that. That went right into... um, I don't know. Catering? The driver? Fucking dumbass mobsters that run Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. It's not profitable. This film business is not profitable. In the middle of the film's initial release to keep the interest going, Ivan Reitman ran a trailer that was basically the info, like the commercial the Ghostbusters used in the movie, but instead of the 555 number, That's they great. replaced it with a 1 800 number. So this allowed people to actually call in. And callers got a recorded message of Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd saying something to the effect of like, hi, we're out catching ghosts right now. And then they got around a thousand calls an hour for 24 hours a day for about six weeks. (laughs) Good God. That's so sweet. Could you know it's just a bunch of kids calling them up? It's a great marketing, man. They knew what they were doing. And the film received positive reviews. Roger Deber gave the film three and a half stars out of four citing it as a rare example of successful combining of special effects blockbuster with sly dialogue. Ebert noted the effects existed like to serve the actors performances and not in reverse saying that it's an exception Mm. to the general rule that big special effects can wreck a comedy film. It's interesting. I thought of the birth of the modern blockbuster in a way because they still feel like that they're like marvel movies feel like that like yeah. big effect heavy movie with like very witty banter in yeah between. definitely and it's very light and it's very easy to come down but yeah ghostbusters were doing that i mean in the 80s yeah and making it look kind of easy even though it clearly wasn't <laughs> yeah. In its aftermath, the film turned into a marketing machine for clothing, toys, video games, the real Ghostbusters cartoon series, and it spawned Ghostbusters 2 sequel in 1989. And then in 2016, the film was rebooted under director Paul Feig with Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Leslie Jones, and Kate McKinnon as the Ghostbusters, alongside the original surviving cast members who were making cameos apart from... Uh, our boy Rick Moranis because he's Ramis. just not really in films anymore. And Harold Ramis had passed away by this point, I think, by the time. But that's like a bust. Where he was really sick. Yeah, that's a There's bust a bust of him, yeah. In a shot. Um, yeah. So we got the sequel. It's already been done once before. And then we've had a reboot already. And now, coming out later this year, is Ghostbusters Afterlife, directed by the son <sighs> of Ivan Reitman, Jason Reitman, and starring Stranger Things. Finn Wolfhard. Fucking fuck. And Paul Rudd. (laughs) As well as seeing some of the original Ghostbusters cast, apart from Harold Ramis, of course, who's passed away. And likely Rick Moranis as well, because he's just not really acting anymore. Although he did appear in some commercial or something. So maybe, I don't know. Wasn't he in that? Yeah, with that Ryan Reynolds yeah. thing. And he got punched in the head. So he <laughs> needs some redemption. Yeah, he that got can't punched. be the last yeah, time come we on. hear Rich, about it. Rick Moranis. He got sucker Justice punched. Justice for yeah. Rick. He should be in a new one yeah. and he sucker punched Finn Wolfhard. <laughs> I would pay to see that. All right, should this happen? Should this happen? Fuck it's, no. It's happening again, like we said, with Coming to America, but should it happen? 
Your own fuck no. Uh, Your own I strong don't want fuck this. no. I'm like, I'm, I don't have good vibe from this movie. I don't know why. Maybe could we've been burnt one before, but like, okay, it it's not. If I'll, I'll try, I'll skim over the whole thing. It's not this untouchable thing. Yeah. I'm more than open to remake it. Fuck with it. Yeah. Do it again because it's such a great idea. And I love the original. I I really like the second one as well. It's not as good. It's a rehash, but it's still funny to me. It and it had enough new element that I really enjoy. So for me. Those two are kind of hit. The show was good, and we we had years of people clamoring for like a Ghostbusters three, and Ghostbusters three kind of happened without anybody noticing. Casper, you've seen Casper? No. <laughs> you know, Dan Aykroyd the, appears, um, and 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 that's true. Oh yeah, and fucking Dan, right? Yeah, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, no. Ghostbusters video were, game. Yeah, the, the video game on. Uh, I think it was on, I had it on PS3. It was on a bunch of other shit. Great game. It's Ghostbusters three you always wanted. It. It's actually the idea. I think Ghostbusters in Hell, right? Yeah. It's the original based off the original idea. Mm. You play as like a new member of the team who's completely mute, so it doesn't fuck with anything. Everyone is back for it. It like Ghostbusters three. Because they haven't aged. Mm. They're you know they're made to look like they did in the eighties. And so, like, I was satisfied there. That's a great game. You should seek it out if you want more Ghostbusters. It's a great story, and it's really funny, and it's very true to the original. But anyway, it's a big franchise. It's a great idea. So it was going to be remade. And it was kind of remade the way I always thought it should be, which would, like, do the same thing. Get a bunch of people from SNL and make it again. You take the same idea. And they did that, and it wasn't... Look, it's not... The problem isn't that they're women. That you know, it's not the. Remember, do you remember that fucking vine where the guy was like an all-female goat, but the feminists are taking over, <laughs> and then the theme song comes in, and it's um, I'm an adult virgin. I forgot about that. But you know, like the the com- like that was such an ugly time. Twenty sixteen be on in the internet. general was, it was horrible, horrible, horrible. It was horrible. It was such Ugh. like hatred yeah. coming at these women for no good reason. It was people being too fucking sacred with a just it's a comedy. Like who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. It was like the most you know like voted down thing on youtube and you know at the beginning of like the rotten tomatoes like bombing the site trying to get the review score down yeah and it just it was thinly failed veiled misogyny yeah and that's all it was and it made having a a a real discussion about that movie impossible because you didn't want to side with those people and i hated those people Mm. because i went to see that movie i was all up for that movie went cinema to see it and it was just disappointing because it's a very mediocre comedy. Yeah. With very funny people in it. And it repeated a lot of the same mistakes. Leslie Jones, the same thing as Winston Denimore back in the day. But Kate McKinnon, very funny. With McCarthy and Kate and Kristen Wigger, obviously they're amazing. But the script doesn't do anything for them. They basically play the same character. It doesn't feel like Ghostbusters at all. And it doesn't feel like any, it feels like a sort of shitty bridesmaid knockoff with the same people mm. so it's sort of that's what was disappointing about it for me the bit i like about it 
got good moment. Chris Hemsworth is very funny in it. Yeah. I like that the bad guy is essentially the troll on the internet. Yeah. All the people yeah. giving them shit. So I appreciated that, but like it was just a sort of myth. There's this whole dance number in that movie. Yeah. It just <laughs> feels like there's too much dancing in the film. It just doesn't. Yeah. And it's really overblown. Yeah. Special effects doesn't look very nice. It, and it was a shame. It, that one was a disappointing movie, but not for the reason everyone said. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that. Like I find, all right. So I haven't seen Ghostbusters 2 in a long time. I want to see it again eventually, like just to kind of see how I feel about it. But I remember like watching it when I was younger and loving it, but then watching it when I was like a teenager and kind of like, oh, this isn't as good as I like <laughs> remember it being. Uh, yeah, and yeah. like the original was kind of a classic. And then the cartoon, like I remember as a kid and stuff and liking it a lot. And I was trying to like remember if like, because you, you know, like you can look through things with these sort of nostalgic eyes and lenses and stuff, like, oh, I love this as a kid. But is it really that good? But then I start reading a little bit more into the cartoon. And it was nice how they built this sort of world around it and stuff and explained a lot of things. And world building was yeah. really big and, and important in that. And I think that's where Ghostbusters can work with sequels. Open it up, man. Did you mm. world build in, in like animation kind of allows you to do it because like otherwise Ghostbusters is really weird. It's like it's taking place in like a real world and stuff and it can get it can get kind of out of control if you like kind of go too far. And I think that's part of the problem mm-hmm. with Ghostbusters 2 that they went a little too far with a little too much special effects and it kind of took away from like what was kind of the like, giant statue of liberty. <laughs> yeah. And the river of slime and yeah. stuff. It just a takes lot. away from like what was sort of special about the original film. For sure. The yeah. All right, so finally last night cuz 2016 and all that shit around the film and 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 also immediately, immediately I thought the film kind of looked bad, like with with mm. the the trailers and stuff, because the the marketing was kind of odd. They put a lot of unfunny bits inside of the trailer and stuff, and it just kind of like I don't know. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Saturday Night Live anyway. I like a lot of the women and stuff that are in this film mm. in the 2016 Ghostbusters. I think they're really funny, but I feel like Saturday Night Live can kind of keep beating over the head, like it just keeps beating you over the head with like kind of the same joke over and over and over and like the yeah, same yeah. acting throughout. And it just kind of, it's not really that funny after a while. And like, I feel like that kind of suffered in this film as well. Like, so, and it's not like Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiggs, Leslie Jones, or Kate McKinnon's fault. Like they were told to go out there and fucking improvise. And the script's not very good because maybe one of them, like yeah, Kristen, it's Wiig, one of those. Kristen Wiggs should have fucking ri- written the film, but she didn't. It was like Paul Feig and some other woman. And they just, kind of delivered this weird script that gave you ghostbusters again but with women and it was like they didn't change enough it was like some scenes were almost exactly the same and it was just sort of like why aren't we building more with this why can't you do more like you don't have to like basically take the skeleton out of ghostbusters and put it into this new film but then again i liked a lot of aspects of it that like where there was like the women were basically kind of playing off of like the way women aren't being taken seriously and stuff. And it was sort of a big real, like the whole film was sort of like, like, you know, talking about the way the fans fucking viewed them doing that in the first place. And it's very interesting to see. I liked about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really interesting take. Cause like in ghostbusters, the guys get to be scientific about like the ghosts, like in catching the ghost and like, 
you know, talking about the ghost and people will believe them and it comes off so easy and stuff. In 1984, it's like all the guys like, are, oh, it's all cool. But the women in the film, it's like almost like they're hysterical. Like we don't believe them. Like even <laughs> Bill Murray's character like asks an old lady if she's menstruating or like he, you know, he doesn't necessarily <laughs> believe Dana when he first sees her and he only really cares about getting in her, into her pants and stuff. And it doesn't really matter mm. like what she's saying to him and no one fucking believes him. So when you flip it and you get like the women being the Ghostbusters, everyone keeps calling them frauds throughout it. That's kind of an interesting dynamic. The problem was it kept mm-hmm. happening over and over and over to a point where it did, yeah. you're just kind of like, okay, I don't like these characters anymore because like you're not making them yeah. presentable like as being kind of fun characters. Not funny or insightful. Just, anymore. Uh, yeah. And Kate McKinnon, I love Kate McKinnon, but she's kind of a little too on throughout the whole entire film. They just made, yeah, she'd like, be weird. Just be the weird, crazy one. Yeah, be, go do your Saturday Night Live skit, like, you know, throughout this whole film. Cool. And then that kind of makes it suffer. And it's just like, it's Mm. a shame. But at the same time, I don't think Ghostbusters is this sort of like, like I've said, it's not an infallible thing that like shouldn't be touched and stuff. Like, (laughs) you know, it's not perfect. It can, it can be altered and changed and stuff. But I think it just maybe works better in the cartoons. Like, like I don't know. Yeah. Like where you can get wacky know. with it. It can get really strange. Like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the new one. Yeah. There's something to it. There's something to like the, I think the real world tangible thing, the juxtaposition of like really, you know, grounded named with like super high content visual effect in the original. And then there's something there, especially for your push. We did something different. Like, you know, Dan Aykroyd wanted to take them to hell. Yeah. Interesting thing. They should have run with an idea like that if you're making another one. You don't have to do the same thing, like you said, again, but worse. This new one, I just don't, it looks, I don't like the look of the only thing that makes me somewhat hopeful is that it's Jason Reitman, Mm -hmm. who is a very good director in his own right. And I like the idea of him taking his father's film and continuing it on. He probably had this idea for a long time. But I fucking hate the idea of a stranger thing ghostbusting. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't need that. Like yeah. I, you know, like people got so angry about women in Ghostbusters. God fucking forbid. But people want kids to do Ghostbusters. That looks so fucking annoying. It looks so childish and so just not completely to go against the whole point of view. It's just not a kid. I mean, the original worked for kids. I get loads of kids loved it. It's not a kids' movie, I don't think. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just a bunch of kids driving the Ecto 1 through a barn and it, like, through a farm, sorry, and, like, Paul Rudd is there and it looks like it's the least connected. Yeah. I'm assuming one of them is, like, Spingler's, like, Egon's, like, Kid. grandkids or something. But yeah. Sure. And there'll be glorified cameo from everyone else. Yeah. But I'm just, what I've seen, I look, it just looked really uninteresting to me like <laughs> we we just we tried it and it just just do something else i don't know i'm weirdly pessimistic about this one it just doesn't yeah maybe because i don't like that kid from stranger things i don't like stranger <laughs> things yeah um and he's just such a fucking pretty boy like <laughs> a fucking guy with like a shitty band that everybody loved like every just i can't just can't deal with yeah. it I we started off laughing about Stranger Things, but I'm not against kids. It's just like I think it's like that style of Stranger Things is kind of annoying now. It's been done and it kind of like 
has taken over a lot of fucking films. I mean, they did it with it. There's just like, they keep doing. I don't like this 80s nostalgia thing where you mistake nostalgia for substance. Yeah. Like if we're going to do it, like just do it in, don't gloss over like this sort of 80s thing and try to make it like this sort of nostalgic 80s thing. Look at what worked about 80s movies (laughs) and use that. Like, for instance, like if you want kids to do it, look at the way Spielberg used kids in films and do that. Don't like, don't like just go, oh, well, let's like just put kids in sort of an 80s vibe. Like, like, you know, like let's make it feel like sort of 80s, even though it might be. It's almost like Sabrina is sort of that way as well, which I really like Sabrina. I kind of upset that it like that Netflix like decided to give it the axe, although it could be annoying at times. But the annoying things were that that they tried to it's that Sabrina and I don't know what uh, Greendale or, or, or River, sorry, Riverdale. Riverdale. Like. I don't know what Riverdale is like, but if if it's that that has that like essence of Stranger Things like sprinkled about it that just sort of makes it kind of annoying. It's just like, uh, but yeah. I mean, yeah, Stranger Things are just full of shit, man. <laughs> like, cause I'm fine with really good kid actors. Like, I think Super Eight is really underrated. Like, cause it's a for sure. Yeah, they did that well. That has the vibes of the 80s but it's not like hey let's go 80s movie like it's just like oh god stranger things all they're doing it remaking yeah stranger things it just remake 80s movie with like modern technique yeah so they don't look 80s anymore you should make like a modern movie with 80s technique like you want to be 80s so bad and you've ripped off every horror movie and you've fucking put up posters and you put music and you're like um like recalling all our favorite moments from 80s, like you're so relying on our love for those 80s movies and shows. But when it comes time to fill in the rest with like your own idea, there's nothing there. That's like my thing with Change <laughs> Thing. And like, you know what the ultimate thing you could do if you wanted an 80s style, like if you want to make an 80s style horror, have a practical month. Yeah. Yeah, the whole show is CGI. The whole show yeah. is CGI. And it looks like shit. And it completely goes yeah. against the spirit of the show. And I don't know. I have a lot of problems with that show. And I feel like it's just going to be taken into Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, I can see that. I don't have a problem with Stranger Things itself, like being this thing that is like, like an homage to 80s, like the 80s and stuff. And that's fine. It's just like when every company sees the success of stranger things and then tries to like create their own stranger things. And that's what this feels like with ghostbusters afterlife. Kind of, it's just like, Oh, come on, just like do something different. It's sort of like when cart, like in cartoons, like when like stuff like, I don't know, Rick and Morty gets really popular. So every other cartoon wants to try to do their own version of Rick and Morty. Or like when adventure time was really popular, every fucking company start making really badly animated fucking cartoons. And that sucks. Like, like animation's awesome. Like you should do it really well. Don't do it bad just because some other stupid cartoon does bad animation and you just want to copy that. And it's everything just looks bad. And that's part of the problem with Rick and Morty. And that's why I don't want to watch that show. Cause it looks bad. Like the, the animation again, looks bad. It's annoying. Again, that's a show where the fan base is like sort of ruined it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Ghost. I feel bad for the ghostbusters women. Like I think they deserve. For sure. More. They got 
so much shit. They deserve more. But they were like run off the internet and stuff. Yeah, they got they got so much shit for it. They deserved way more, and it's not their fault. And I think like it, yeah, because there's a lot that went on in that film that I think did work a lot, did lo- did work really well. And there's a lot that just didn't. And I think a lot of it is just the fact that why are we rebooting the films anyway? Why are we doing it exactly? Why are we the doing same? it? Yeah, but why are we doing it again? At the end of the day, like I said last time, I don't care. <laughs> like. <'cause- laughs> I don't have to watch it, and you I don't have, have to watch, to watch any it. of these. And I might I not go back. I might not watch this movie. It's fine. I don't know. So I'll probably watch it just to check it out. And if I don't like it, it's okay. I'm not going to go write a huge review about it because I don't have yeah. enough time in my in my life. Like last night, I was watching Ghostbusters from 2016, and I was just like, like okay, like cool. <laughs> I don't know. They should have had Kristen Wiig write that shit. You know, she wrote fucking yeah. Bridesmaids and was. <laughs> I'm like sure she can do it, it. and was given a fucking Academy Award nomination for it. So <laughs> why is Paul Feig? Katinth <laughs> the man. God damn it. Uh, anyway, that's it. I don't know. Oh yeah, we got there. Thank God we made it. Ghostbusters, Stranger Things. See it. Are you going to see it? No. Yes or no. <laughs> Me? <laughs> you? Uh, prob- uh, fucking, I'm full of shit. I'll probably go, I'll probably probably go see it. watch everything. Dude. Paul Rudd's going to be in it, and that's, that's I would awesome. like to have an opinion. It makes me dislike Paul Rudd. Nah, Paul Rudd's he's going to save that film. He's going to be really we'll fun see. in it. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. I hope so. You know what could have worked? Why don't they just have him be a ghost button? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Paul Rudd and a bunch of guys like that, guy thing go, yeah. like that, just that would be fine. You know what they should do? That would really fucking right. drive people up the wall, and I'm all for it. In this film... Go fucking nuts with like portals and dimensions and pull out the women Ghostbusters from 2016. <laughs> yes. Do it. And they, fucking like, do it. Take over it'll be the, the best. It'll be fucking it'll over. be the fucking best. It'll be so funny. Be just so to tight. like shit in those fucking man babies fucking eyes. Like Yeah, because they're like, yeah, so this is Ghostbusters. This is it. <laughs> like halfway through, it's like, oh, isn't it? No, no. No, no. Shut the fuck Don't up. Don't touch babies. my ghostbusters. Stupid yeah. babies. Who cares? <laughs> who cares i'm gonna remake it star wars the original i'm gonna do we're it all i'm gonna that. i'm gonna remake star wars i don't care fuck it fuck this fine we're gonna movies. remake jaws <laughs> now how do you feel we're gonna remake jaws i don't care because the original jaws still exists you can still <laughs> no, go I'm watch gonna it remove the original jaws i'm gonna delete it i'm gonna burn all the print i'm gonna make sure you can never watch it again and i'm gonna remake it with the stranger things kid <laughs> And a CGI shark that's like really good, like it yeah. does flips and shit. And that's the only version you'll ever have. I'm gonna wipe your memory, so you can't even live off that. That sounds kind of then, fun, though. Then how do you feel? Oh, that's, that's a that actually kind of sounds kind of fun. <laughs> uh, fucking flipping shark and stuff. What is this flipper? That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, free Willy. Yeah, free Willy's great. Dude. Hollywood man, call us up. We got that George remake ready. <laughs> Well, we're here. That's it. This is uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, that was long. Mamma jamma. Jesus Christ. Well, technically, we did four movies. Yeah. I don't know how much I'll keep in it. We'll see. We're moving our way through Reboot Month here. Reboot Moons. Reboot Moon. <laughs> I said uh, I already gave a hint of what the next episode is going to be. So, yeah, if you just kind of remember that. And we'll see you next week um, with that stuff. And it's a big one. It's another big monster crazy episode that will be monster. really fun really really fun 
uh i hope <laughs> and Fucking and hope, yeah man. anyway phil where can people find you and what are you up to uh i'm at far away Thad on twitter real life dog Nimet on the gram um I'm, I'm not i'm not doing much just you know counting down the days until you have to go just, back to work she's just aging slowly <laughs> how about uh, you <laughs> yeah man i don't know i'm i don't know. well you, you can find me at tall for all t-a-l on twitter instagram and facebook uh send me hate mail for all the bad things i said about original ghostbusters and all the good things i said about 2016's ghostbusters because i know you want to um better than avatar we said it dude better than avatar for fucking sure um <laughs> you know we're gonna review the uh, new avatar movies when they come out it's gonna happen <laughs> franchise uh but yeah no head over to breadcrumbscollective.com check out all the stuff we got going on our other podcast breadcrumbs arianne's podcast she's got new episodes coming out every couple weeks or every month or something i think she's monthly now we've also got bonus episodes over at patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast we just dropped the garbage pell kids episode like i said early in the episode it's really funny mm-hmm. uh so go Please check that listen out to it no my pain <laughs> meant something by the time this episode comes out there might be another bonus episode as well where we are talking about the quick and the dead sam raimi quick and the dead so head over there patreon.com forward slash the pcc podcast support the podcast man leave us a like and review uh whatever you however it works rate like rating and review on uh, apple ipod podcast whatever it's called um, <laughs> apple wherever you listen to your stuff leave us a review it actually does help us out apple podcast leave, leave us a review even if you don't use apple uh if you have access to it go go over there leave us a review helps our podcast get people to hear this ghostbusters episode and make them angry i'm sure we said some i I figured we played it pretty safe but like i did definitely some shit in there people would fucking hate it for it this movie's more than just jizz this movie's more than just jizz (laughs) it's mostly jizz it's mostly jizz it's one giant dick joke it's just a big dick joke and uh and jizz um yeah so add us at the PCC podcast on Twitter or Instagram or send us an email at podcast at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. That's all for us today. Ghostbusters. Brian De Palma.